Yeah, well, good day, good day, and welcome to a brand new week, a brand new day, Monday, February 19. What a weekend of weather around the country. Uh, Gavin Morris, our weather expert last Friday, said, watch out, buckle in. Um, you're in for a strange weekend, and we were some rather heavy and violent thunderstorms, showers along the East Coast. But what about these temperatures in Western Australia? Kalgoorlie, Gerald's in 49.2. And more extreme weather is on the way today and this week. We'll get the latest with Gavin in just a second. But anyway, I hope you're well. I hope you're up for a chat. I am. Uh, anything goes. If you uh, have something you'd like to, to talk about, well, jump on board. And have you say, you could well win Call of the Week. I'll repeat last Friday's Call of the Week later this morning. It's a little beauty. Um, and, and to win all the prizes, you've simply got to jump on board, have your say, make us think, create conversation, make us laugh, make us cry, but make us lean forward. If you've got something that uh, you'd like to get off your chest, this is the way to do it because we are on, I don't know, 71-something stations that we know of. Do you reckon people pirate the night shift? Do you reckon they pirate, yeah? I would love to find out more about the night shift black market. How many yes. other stations are we going to? Exactly. Could be thousands. Could be hundreds. So anyway, uh, no matter how you're listening to us, whether it be on the Lister app, because we are streaming live there now, or if you're listening to us through an old-fashioned radio transmitter, it doesn't matter so long as we're going into your ears and into your brain and uh, you respond on one triple three five three. Yeah, we'll talk to um, our expert on international affairs, Dr. Keith Souter, a little bit later on. God, you know, how lucky are we to live in Australia? The tension and the wars going on in the world. Thank God we don't live in a country that's ruled by Vladimir Putin. What a crook. What? And I haven't even got to Trump yet. What? What an absolute bully and a despot. And if you speak out against the bloke, he, um, you, you suffer sudden death syndrome. That's what they're calling it, sudden death syndrome. Alexei Navalny. This bloke, uh, 45 years of age, 47, I should say, 47, uh, a lawyer, has been a very outspoken opponent of Vladimir Putin for, for many years now. Putin tried to have him killed and he poisoned him, had him poisoned. He fell sick on an aeroplane and luckily uh, the plane took him into Germany and he recovered. He probably should have stayed in exile. He probably should have stayed there, but he didn't. He went back to Russia, was arrested, sent to a very harsh prison in uh, Siberia, and that's where he died over the weekend. Um, nobody, nothing's been said. And people in Russia who were following this bloke who believed in what he had to say, they're getting arrested as we speak in Russia for just putting flowers on a memorial. You get arrested for putting a flower on it, on his memorial. That's what it's like to live in Russia, folks. So we don't know how lucky we are. We'll talk about that. And Donald Trump, $350 million he's been ordered to pay in a civil suit in New York about frauding the banks. And... Um, I've got to tell you, I, he's a funny bloke, Donald Trump, because he's Mr. Teflon. I, I, I still, you know what? I still see him running at the end of the year unless he's in jail. But at this point, he is the outright leader of the polls to win the election in November. He could well be 
the leader of the free world again come November. Uh, there's no Republican that comes close to polling anywhere near Trump. And the Democrats, you've got Joe Biden, who struggles to remember his own name, and his deputy, Kamala Harris, is a nobody. She's an absolute nobody. So the Democrats haven't got anybody just yet. So I don't know what, what we're going to It's a strange world we live in, isn't it? It's a very, very strange world. One triple three five three is the telephone number. More on that later on today. Um, I noticed that our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has actually come out and blamed Vladimir Putin for Alexei Navalny's death. So there you are. And thousands and thousands of Russians um, are mourning this bloke's death. They saw him as some sort of a saviour. Well, you don't speak out against Putin unless you want to suffer sudden death syndrome. One Very contagious amongst Putin's critics. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, there's a bold proposal by an Air Peninsula mayor to hunt down and kill great white sharks responsible for deadly attacks, and it's going to be discussed at a local government conference later in March. Uh, Elliston Mayor Andrew McLeod wants the South Australian government to kill sharks responsible for fatal attacks after they claimed three lives in South Australian waters in the last nine months. We've talked about this before, and generally speaking, the reaction from my audience is culling sharks is not the answer. Sure, there are some of you who think, yeah, you've got to do it, especially if you can prove that that shark killed somebody. Uh, We kill dogs that attack people. Why don't we kill sharks is usually the argument. I'd like to hear what you have to say about this, and I'd be very keen to talk to Mayor Andrew McLeod later this week and talk to him about the culling of dangerous sharks. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, my finance expert Shane Oliver uh, from uh, AMP. He's coined a phrase. It's called. I've got to get this right. Swiftonomics. Swiftonomics. Uh, It is the way Taylor Swift can seriously affect a country's economy. Swift anomics. I'm feeling a bit sad for Pink. I mean, not only is she turned away from a club in Manly, the Skiffy's Club, because she didn't have her ID. Here's my question. Would Taylor Swift had been turned away from the 16-foot skiff club at Manly, if she didn't have ID? There'd be uproar. Do you reckon she'd be turned away? Probably. Who's the biggest star? I'd say, well, I'm not favouring them, but I'd say Taylor Swift. Who do you like better? Oh. Yeah, you had to think about it. Yeah. Personally, Pink's rockier edge is, is more my go. I don't have any Pink music playing in my man cave, and I don't have any Taylor Swift uh, Taylor Swift, I admire greatly. I think she's very, very smart, but her music is not my go. Does she deserve the adulation she's getting? Here's my question for you. One triple three five three. Do you think Taylor Swift is up there with the Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac? I know I'm showing my age, but I'm doing this deliberately. Is Taylor Swift... I mean, if you could go back in time and look at the phenomenon that was the Beatles in 1964... I mean, when they arrived in South Australia, without even Ringo, three quarters of the state 
turned up outside the town hall when they had their civic reception. Three quarters of South Australia's population turned up. Nothing would trump that. If Taylor Swift stood on the, the front veranda of the Sydney town hall, how many would turn up? 100,000? Probably. Is she... Is ta- okay. Is Taylor Swift bigger than the Beatles? No way. Well, you see, you'd have to look at record sales and then population and then the cost of records. And the, now it's, it's, it's easy to, to stream music. You, back then, you didn't stream Beatles music. You had to go to a record shop and buy a 45. That's right, yeah. Or an album if you were really into them. Yeah. So it, 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 is it comparing apples with oranges or not? Well, I, I think it's a different time because, like, less people are buying albums or records or CDs nowadays. So I think it's a very different contrast. Is Taylor Swift bigger than the Beatles? There we go. One triple three five three. Um, I read an interesting article in one of the Sunday papers, Thomas. You probably saw it. It's a woman who no, it wasn't. It was online um, in the kids spot. I think it was a lady who's taken a carload of kids to a ta- to the Taylor Swift concert in Melbourne, yes. and she was talking about how fright- frighteningly expensive it is. Not just the tickets. I mean, the tickets are three hundred dollars. Yes. But um, getting there, trying to get your kids organised. The merchandise, a drink bottle, $120 you could buy for 10 at Kmart. And they had to have it. And the bracelets and the T-shirts, the T-shirts. You notice at a gig, they always price things way higher than they should be at a gig. Well, that's because I think part of the novelty of going to the gig is to say, I bought this T-shirt at the concert. I got a cold chisel T-shirt on now. My son bought me this. I got him, I got him triple M tickets too. Um, cold chisel ages ago out at Homebush, um, who gurus were supporting, and uh, Jakey boy went and bought me this T-shirt. I've got a few cold chisel T-shirts. This is the newest one. Yeah, nice. But uh, yeah, so there is a stigma attached to buying merch at the actual concert. That's yeah. You can buy a cold chisel or a Pink Floyd T-shirt at Kmart now, but sure. to buy one at the concert, that's the prestige. It's a staple there, yeah. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. Anyway, um, one triple three five three. Is Taylor Swift bigger than the Beatles? Does she deserve the worldwide adulation she's getting? And do you think she'll last? She's been around for a while. You'll, you'll have to educate me. Me, personally, I'll say it again. She does nothing for me musically. Absolutely nothing. It's not my go. You know what would rock the music world right now and would trump Taylor Swift? Trump and what end up owing end up end up owing three hundred fifty million dollars? No, it would it would go above what Taylor Swift is doing. And hear me out. You get the surviving members of the Beatles. There's two of them, and the surviving members of Rolling Stones Mm. fuse that together and do a tour with that. The Rolling tour, the Rolling Beatles, the Rolling Beatles. I don't think it would work, Thomas. It's a very good idea. Their music is completely no, it wouldn't work. So you would get Paul McCartney yes. and Ringo, yes, uh, because Charlie Watts is gone. Yeah, that's right. You get Paul McCartney who plays bass. Yeah, uh, they, the Stones have a stand-in bass player, but their original bass player is a bloke called Bill Wyman, who had to leave the band. And he, if you know about Bill Wyman and his affair with Mandy, okay, yeah. All right. So you're suggesting Keith Richards, yes. You're suggesting Mick Jagger, yes, and Ron Wood, yes. Ringo on drums. Yes. And Paul McCartney on bass. Yes. Give it a go. You're an ideas man, Thomas. You're a lunatic. But it's a... No. Do you reckon it would work? 
I reckon people would rock up to see how it's. You sounds. reckon Mick Jagger and Keith Richards would last? They could get a backup dancer. Joe Biden's available. <laughs> One triple three, five three is the telephone number. Thomas is onto something. If you could combine a band, half of one and half of another, which one, what would it be? What would you call it and would it work? I don't know if it would work, but it's a very good idea, Thomas. Here's another one for you. Frontier Touring will be onto that, yes. Elton John, Paul McCartney. Uh, well, that's not as silly as it seems. And remember, Elton John and Billy Joel did that, two pianos it was called, and I was there at the Siebel Townhouse when they jammed at 2 o'clock in the morning. What was that like? Well, I happened to be staying at the Siebel Townhouse in Sydney. It was a funny little boutique hotel. And it had a famous bar and it wasn't, wasn't very big, but it had all the famous photos up and it had a piano and we just happened to fluke it. We were down from Bathurst staying in Sydney and we were staying at the Siebel. We stayed in the Sir Robert Helpman suite, but I'll never forget it. Anyway, so we came back from wherever we were going and we were having a few drinks in the bar. Next thing you know, Elton John, Billy Joel come back. They were both touring at the same time and they started jamming on the piano. And they play, Billy Joel started playing Elton John songs and vice versa. And they got on really well. And it was really, it was, I couldn't believe I was sitting there watching it. Next thing you know, they decide they're going to take it on tour. And they did the two, the two pianos tour. How good. Oh, it was fantastic. So I was actually sort of there when history was created. And I didn't mean to be very lucky. It's such a fusion of music as well. Similar though. Yeah. Similar. Anyway, one triple three five three is the telephone number. Here's a story I couldn't believe. I read it uh, online yesterday. Um, there is a spate of, and this has been going on for quite some time, of Australian men marrying Asian women or dating Asian women. And I see it. Yeah, you walk around the streets and there's a bloke with an Asian woman as his partner and people automatically go, oh, he, I bet he flew her in, which is a dreadful thing to say. But, there is a stigma now attached to interracial relationships, according to Ange uh, Angelica Silva, who wrote on the ABC, don't ever marry a BMW. She overheard a family's friend event. What? A black Muslim or white, they replied. It's the first time I'd heard the phrase. In many South Asian communities, acceptance of interracial relationships is hard to come by. Indian-Australian Puja has experienced this firsthand. The Melbourne woman met her partner, a white Australian, on a dating app back in 2021. They didn't really at the, at the time had any intention of getting serious. Despite not expecting it, we fell in love, she told the ABC. But there wasn't any love for the relationship from Puja's parents who live in India. Puja and her family are Hindus. Her partner was raised as a Christian. She says, this is the main problem. My parents are scared of new things and don't want to change their ways. Puja says without her family support, every aspect of her relationship has been challenging. And it goes on. Interracial relationships. I thought that in this day and age, we were completely over that. It used to be called taboo. If someone white married outside their heritage, it was considered taboo. We're well and truly over that now, aren't we? Apparently not. According to the article, there is still a social stigma connected to an interracial relationship. So the question I want to ask you this morning, folks, 
is are you in an interracial relationship? I'm sure lots of you are. And do you experience harassment, prejudice, racism? Do people say things? Do people stare? Has anyone actually, has has a member of your family told you they don't approve? Surely, I really was shocked to read this story that for some couples here in Australia, an interracial relationship is still frowned upon. I, I find it hard to understand and hard to believe, but it happens apparently. It happens. One triple three five three is the telephone number. What's your community and family's reaction to you being in an interracial relationship? I really would love to hear your stories. One triple three five three lines are open right now. Let's talk about it. And here's a story that we'll talk more about today and this week. And I want to ask you: Do you reckon these boys have done the right thing or the wrong thing? It's a group of vigilante school teenagers on Sydney's northern beaches, and they have allegedly used dating apps to lure men into underage sex hookups as part of a trap to expose them on social media. Now, the stings have worked and have resulted in police charging three of these men with child grooming offences. But four of the teens aged under 17 have also been charged because they took it too far and they bashed and then extorted money from their targets. Police have become so concerned about the teens' acts of vigilantism that the alleged culture of underage sex they have uncovered on Sydney's northern beaches, detectives have set up a strike force to investigate and uh, they expect to lay more charges. So what happened was these youths have gone on to dating apps that attract men. Grinder was one that was mentioned in the article. And then they pretended to be 14-year-olds and lured these men into believing that they were going to hook up for sex with the men knowing that they were about to meet a 14-year-old. And in broad daylight, they lure these men to public places, film them, confront them, but on a couple of occasions, bashed them and tried to extort money and bribe them, threatening to put their faces on social media. So that's wrong. But one of the youth said on social media, the police aren't doing their job. We may as well do it for them. Now, these kids found pedophiles, alleged pedophiles, without any trouble at all. Why aren't the police doing it? If it's that easy, is it because the police just are understaffed? I don't know. But I mean, what they did was they exposed a number of men that should be in jail. These men believed they were hooking up for casual sex with 14-year-olds. The one thing I will say, and this is something I've learned from Michael Carr Gregg, is that pedophiles are wired that way and they don't believe they're doing anything wrong. They believe if it's consensual, doesn't matter if you're 12, 13, 14, 15. They believe if if it's consensual and it's love, it's normal. They don't believe they're doing anything wrong. They're wired that way. You can't rehabilitate a pedophile. You you just can't. It's like trying to, you know, rehabilitate a heterosexual or a homosexual. Um, Pedophiles... Sadly, a wide that way. But do you think these kids, without the bashing and the 
extortion. Do you think they're doing the right thing? Do we need more vigilantes to trap crooks if the police can't do it? Why can't the police do it? Why aren't the police doing exactly what these kids did? They lured out a number of pedophiles without any problem at all. You'd like to say good luck to them, except for the bashing and the extortion. Um, That was clearly wrong. But anyway, interesting thoughts. One triple three five three is the number. Um, Look, this is an interesting question. And I'd like you to have a listen to this because I really want your opinion. Imagine you find a new partner. You find somebody that you're interested in. Just having a cup of tea. If you find someone that you're really interested in online, you go on a few dates and um, you share all the same interests and you finally invite your partner back to your place. Or if you're like Thomas, back to your place after a meeting for one hour. But you finally invite someone you're really interested in back to your place and your pet dog doesn't like them. Okay? You've had a dog for a long time. You're dating someone new. And of course you want the approval of your closest friends. But what if your closest friend is your dog? And your dog just doesn't take to your new friend. New research has revealed that half of UK singletons would ditch their date if their pet turned their nose up at them. A UK study by Burns Pet Nutrition highlighted that more than two-thirds, 69% of single women, believe their dog is a good judge of character and that dogs can sniff out the bad guys. A poll of 2,022 dog owners suggests that thousands of people trust their dog's instincts. Um, Puffy, in the 1988 film, There's Something About Mary. Have you seen that? Years and years ago. Cameron Diaz. There's a famous scene with Cameron Diaz with, um, what can I call it, hair product. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway, in the movie, um, there were men who were desperate to date Mary, that was played by Cameron Diaz, and they must contend with a bad-tempered border terrier that belonged to her neighbour. Do you remember that? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Over half of women, 59% admitted they're prepared to get rid of a date if the dog didn't like them. Do you trust your dog's instincts? A dog's a good judge of character. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Would you punt if you've fallen in head over heels in love with someone, but your dog doesn't like him? What would you do? One triple three, five three, is the telephone number. Look, there's all sorts of other things I want to talk about. On Friday, on uh, Channel Seven Sunrise, one of our topics was surrounding the Barnaby Joyce uh, hands list video. Because now other politicians, and when we spoke to Bob Catter, Bob Catter said he knows of another politician who's done much worse than Barnaby Joyce, but he didn't name that politician when we spoke to him last Thursday. But the leader of the Nationals has now been accused of drinking wine before going to a Senate uh, uh, meeting. And see, that dining room, I guess, is so luring because 
it has just so much alcohol and it's all subsidised. Um, Barnaby Joyce has appeared to laugh off a proposal to have politicians breath tested before work. It's been declared that there's way too much alcohol consumption in Parliament. I've told you this. I've been there. I've been there twice. I've been to the parliamentary dining room twice, invited twice by politicians in Canberra when I worked in Canberra, and I've seen it. I saw one politician quite pissed, and the bells rang, and they had to go inside and vote. And this politician said to their minder, who was at our table, Oh, hell, what am I voting on again? These people are at work. They're at work. The parliamentary dining room, heavily subsidised by us, the taxpayer. And you should see the amount of grog that is consumed at lunch there. I've seen it. I've seen it. Now, if I came on the radio pissed, I don't think I'd last here very long. I have listeners right now working in mines who have to be drug and alcohol tested before they're allowed to go to work and earn a living. I've got workers who listen to me overnight that work heavy machinery, that work in jobs where there is zero tolerance to drugs or alcohol because of their work. Now, I remember... Was it Susie on Sunrise who said, oh, yes, but these people are working heavy machinery. No, no, no. No. These people in Canberra are voting on legislation that's going to guide the country. They're voting on legislation that will become law. And a lot of them are doing it drunk, under the influence. So what do you reckon? Should politicians be breath-tested? before they're allowed into the chamber, and if they blow over the limit, it's noted, they're not allowed into the chamber to vote, and then three strikes, you're out. Mind you, they're democratically elected, throwing a politician out of their seat's a big ask. But what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Barnaby Joyce was in Canberra. He'd had a big night. He mixed alcohol with medicine, and now he's paying the consequences. And we've all made mistakes. I've made mistakes. And I'm not judging Barnaby, but what I am asking is, from everyone I talk to, Barnaby's got a problem with the drink, and he's got to learn to control it. Should you be allowed to drink at work? What you do in your own home is your business, so long as you don't drive and don't get violent. What you do in your own home is, but Canberra, is work. Everybody in Canberra, all the politicians, are there to work. They live in subsidised housing, subsidised vehicles, they have drivers, and the food at the parliamentary dining room is subsidised by us, the taxpayer. And if you're about to vote on legislation, if you're about to vote on new laws that are being passed in the parliament, Surely you've got to be sober to do it, haven't you? Should politicians be breath tested before they go into the chamber or before they go to a, a Senate's, uh, uh, a Senate's uh, meeting as the leader of the Nationals in the Senate is uh, now being accused of, not David Littleproud, but the leader of the Nationals in the Senate 
being accused of being drunk, which she denies, by the way. But anyway, it was one of our topics on Sunrise, and I've received a lot of feedback over the weekend on emails on this topic, and most of you are saying yes. Breath test politicians before they go into the chamber. They're at work. You know, it wasn't that long ago, Thomas wouldn't remember, but a lot of my older listeners would remember that it was almost the Australian norm to when you went and had lunch, even if you were in the building industry, you'd go to the pub for a counter lunch and you'd have a schooner or two. And then you go back to work for the afternoon. When I first started my radio career at 2GB on the corner of Liverpool and Sussex Street in Sydney, my colleagues, my uh, superiors, went to a pub straight across the road. It's not there anymore. They knocked it down for the monorail. They went straight across the road to the pub and they'd have a can of lunch and two or three schooners and then go back to work. That was the norm. But I don't think it is anymore. And you can't really do your job properly if you're pissed, can you? Should politicians be able to vote on country-changing legislation if they can't even remember what they're voting on because they've been in the parliamentary dining room? What do you think? One triple three five three is the telephone number. So, look, there's a little bit there to start with. If there's something that you want to carry on with, I'd really like to hear from you. But the lines are open now. We do get very, very busy. And I'd love one of you on a Monday to win caller of the week. We are going to give away an Aussie hose. We're giving away some Swift Grow. We're giving away a Pestrol Mozzie Fly Zapper and a Triple M T-shirt and anything else we can find here at the station that's not uh, tied down. So one triple three five three. Gavin Morris and uh, the country's weather for today, Monday, February 19, coming up in just a second. The quickie. We had two quickies on Friday. The first one went off, so we introduced a second one, and it didn't go off. The clue for today's quickie is on our podcast, and I'll give you another listen to it a little bit later on. So we'll have some fun with that. Plenty to talk about. I want to hear from you. If you've never rung before, make today your day. Make today your day. Be a virgin caller. Come on. And if you are a member of the Night Shift family, well, jump on board and say hello. One triple three five three nightshift at triple You you're listening to the night shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M network. Yeah, I like Mondays. I like Mondays. You need to kickstart your week. You need to kickstart your week with a bit of vigor, a bit of energy, a bit of enthusiasm. So um, jump on board. One triple three five three. If uh, you have something to say. Hey, listen, I know a lot of you snore, and you know you do, and you know your partner snores, and you know you you snore because your partner knows you snores. The thing is, sleep apnea can lead to serious health damage, um, including heart disease. We have studies now that prove that sleep apnea can affect your health really badly. Not to mention the fact that if you drive or if you need to be awake, you can have a micro sleep at any moment and that can be tragic. So if you suffer from sleep apnea but can't afford CPAP treatment, you're wrong. You're wrong. What you need to do is contact my good friends at Sove. 
because they can talk to you. They can show you how to do it. They offer interest-free payment plans for CPAP machines and accessories. And they've got all the brands, ResMed, Philips, Fisher, and Pykel, and they can tailor a treatment just for you. And it works up to about a dollar up front, then about $4 a day. It's the price of a cup of coffee. And that's a medium coffee. So look, contact them. They are the sleep apnea specialists, Sove, S-O-V-E, sove.com.au, 1-300-762-939. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions for use. When considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to the doc. Payment plans available for approved applicants only. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. Sove, S-O-V-E. You're listening to The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Quick break, be back. So there's a a fair bit to talk about this morning. Uh, A smorgasbord, if you will. Um, Should politicians be breath tested before they vote on legislation? Do we have a a problem with alcohol in Canberra? Um, You may notice that today there's a, a story about the deputy leader of the Nationals, Perrin Davey. She admitted to drinking at a function in Parliament House before slurring her words during a Senate hearing. Um, Look, apparently the Nationals have drinks uh, in the afternoon. It's been going on for a long time. It's a good way to get staff together and swap ideas and stay in touch, they reckon. Really? Look, I've got nothing against having a few beers. What did um, Shane Jacobson say in Kenny? He said, if beer was a religion, I'd be Pope. It's a great line. <laughs> Always drink responsibly. But, I mean, if you're voting on legislation or if you're chairing up a Senate committee hearing, you've got to be on your mettle, haven't you? And alcohol should not be tolerated in the workplace, should it? i got plenty of people who, listening to me right now, who have to have alcohol and drug testing before they're allowed to earn a living. Should politicians be any different? One triple three five three is the number. Would you dump your partner if your dog didn't like them? A study reveals that many people would, that the dog is the final judge, the final arbiter when it comes to a new relationship. The dog doesn't like the new friend that's come home. The friend doesn't come around anymore. Would you dump a dog for a person or vice versa? And private schoolboy vigilantes catching pedophiles. What they're doing is working. They've gone too far. But why are they doing the work of the police? If they've done it and it's worked so easily, if they're finding pedophiles online so easily, why aren't the police doing it? There's the question. One triple three five three. Christy, your first caller. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good yourself. I'm good, Christy. Talk to me. What's up? I agree politicians shouldn't be drinking alcohol after all. They have the fate of the world in their hands, essentially. But I'm calling on a more, um, another point you raised Mm -hmm. about pedophiles. Yeah, there's a group of kids on Sydney's northern beaches and they've quite easily trapped and lured a number of pedophiles. They've gone online onto adult dating sites and convinced these potential alleged pedophiles, that they're talking to a 14-year-old child with the view of catching up for sex. 
Now, if these kids can do it so easily, why can't the police do it? Because even as a parent myself, I was in the situation when my kids came to me. Mm-hmm. So I went to the police about this situation. Well, what happened? Start from the beginning. Um, it was 10 years ago now. I actually ended up in prison for confronting this man very aggressively and at the end of my ropes, I must say, over this situation after nothing being done. Um, okay, you're sort, of, you're sort of jumping ahead. You, as a parent, confronted someone that was threatening one of your family? No, who um, actually, it was my ex's uncle who molested two of my children. Two of your children. And, and how did you, that's terrible. How did you find out about it? They came to me with it. My daughter was three and a half at the time. Oh, Jesus. And um, children don't have as many rights as they should. I believed my children. Even I went to the police. We we did everything we could um, legally. Um, I was told nothing could be done because... I don't want to go into too much detail, essentially, because it's pretty graphic. Uh, well, let's let, let's get to the point. Your th- two of your children, but your three and a half year old, came to you and said, "Uncle such and such is what doing bad things." The words to sorry, no child should have these words to describe. Oh, well, let's not get, use the exact words, but she made it clear to you that your ex's uncle was doing dreadful things. So, did you? confront the uncle straight away? Did you confront your ex? What happened? I went to the police with Good. my children. And? Uh, I was told children underneath the age of five ain't considered credible witnesses unless there's DNA evidence. Is that what the police said? Yeah. Under what age? Five. How long ago was this? Ten years. Ten years ago, the police said a child under the age of five is not a credible witness unless there's DNA Evidence, dear, oh dear, oh dear. So what did you do then? Hello? I worked with the police for 18 months. I came to no end, so I went there myself. And... How did you end up in prison? I, I broke in his house after he laughed in my face. Did he admit it? No. Okay. Right, so you broke into his house. Go on. And I confronted him in his kitchen saying, why have you done this? You know, all the questions that a mother would ask. Mm. And he called the police. Mm. He had a heart attack from fear. And you went to prison? Because he had a heart attack, yeah. But he died. He actually got resuscitated. I went to the Supreme Court. Did you have any previous convictions? I did. Yeah, because it's very rare. I would find it very, very hard to believe that you would go to prison on what you're telling me. Yeah, I did. What were your previous convictions? Person, but that shouldn't take back the fact that my kids were violated. I begged the system, and I can see why these kids are getting these answers so easily because even when I was had my children there, I, I watched my daughter pace up and down mm. 
giving evidence while I wasn't in allowed in the interview room. Yeah, so. I, I don't know what to do. I, I, these vigilante kids, if they're getting results, and look, I don't agree with what all of what they're doing. I mean, some of these kids have been arrested for extortion and bashings. That's just not on. But if they're able to lure these alleged pedophiles out into the open and catch them and film them and expose them, why can't the police do it? Maybe the police are understaffed. I don't know. Christy, this uncle had a heart attack but was resuscitated. Was he ever taken to court? Um, children under five being considered credible witnesses without DNA evidence. But but down the track, I mean, no, obviously not. That that's yeah. Did your ex partner, this is your ex partner's uncle, did he believe you and your children? He did, but he wasn't. He didn't. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Are you are your kids okay today? They are. I mean, we regate out. We, we, you know, I went to prison. I had to go to the Supreme Court because I got eight years on the top. With five on the bottom. You see, you don't get eight years prison for going into someone's house and confronting someone. You 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 went to prison for something else, I think. I didn't physically. I'll leave you there, Christy. Thanks very much for your call. You don't go to prison for eight years with two children who depend on you for going into someone's house and confronting them about a pedoph- pedophilia incident. There's more. There's more to Christy there than meets the eye. I'm not going to pursue it. I feel dr- it's. I think it's. Well, I have to talk to Michael Carr, Greg. I'll have to talk to Michael Carr, Greg, about that. Is a child five and under considered an inconsistent witness? Because I guess they could be easily coached. I mean, we've heard on this program a lot of mothers who are pissed off at their partners coaching their kids to say dreadful things about their fathers that just weren't true. But, um, yeah. Anyway, I'll leave Christy there. There's more to that than meets the eye and – I'm not at this point considering her a, a, a credible witness. I think there's there's more to it. Uh, you don't go to jail for eight years for that. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, the other t- topic I wanted to talk about this morning is: Do you know of someone, or are you in an interracial relationship? I was absolutely stunned when I read this story online yesterday by Angelica. Silver on the ABC, that there are a number of Australians who are dating people outside of their race. And in in this day and age, you would have thought, who cares? Enjoy your life. Doesn't matter. But apparently there are plenty of people who live in an interracial relationship that are suffering racism and slurs and side glances and disapproval from their families. Tim's online with a story. Good day, Tim. Uh, morning, Luke. How are you, buddy? Oh, not bad. Yeah, first time this year, but anyway, happy new year. I haven't spoken here this year yet. Well, why not? So, uh, no, I've been away on holidays, and when I went, you were still offline. Yeah? Well, here I am, and here you are. Tim, you're in an interracial relationship, you're telling Thomas. Have you suffered any racism or sideway looks and whispers and and general disapproval from your family or, or from your friends? Um, um, I've never, well, you probably know these days that people 
won't say nothing's here face to face, right, you know? They'll just talk amongst themselves and, yeah, but I've had nothing, but I've actually got a Filipino wife, right? And, um, yeah, uh, her family, right, or um, most of them are okay, not a problem, right, you know? So her, and, um, her family are okay with her marrying outside of her creed? And your family's all, all good with it? Oh, my family's not close. I, uh, um, but the ones I do talk to, they're, they're okay. All good. Well, it doesn't matter. It's my life, and uh, I'll do what I want to do. Good on you. So you're, yeah. you're happy. You haven't received any form of criticism. Do you, no. When you walk down the street holding hands, do you feel people looking at you? I'm just I'm going off this, uh, this article. Do you feel people are looking at you disapprovingly? Oh, probably I don't take any notice, but Good. I know there's a I know there's a lot of women in this country that um, uh, don't like Australian men uh, marrying Asian girls, right? You know, and, um, but um, as a lot of people know, um, Asian girls know how to look after their men, and they treat them a lot better than Australian women. Is that right? Yeah, that's you know, and um, I've always said that, and I know of a lot of other blokes that say the same thing. I mean, there's 25 years difference between me and my wife, but yeah, I'm happy. We've got two lovely boys. Um, they're only four and six years of age, but um, yeah, we're, we've been married nearly 10 years now. So, but, but, yeah. How did you meet? Um, of all places, I said to Thomas on Facebook. Yeah. Look, you know what? Ages ago, once upon a time, if you admitted that you met your partner online... It was embarrassing. Yeah, people used to talk about it in whispers. But now, see, we're grown up. Now, I actually think meeting someone online and asking all the deal-breaker questions before you actually commit to going and having a coffee or a drink, I actually think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. We um, started chatting on Facebook and uh, um, I suppose we were chatting for about six months and... uh, then I went over there. I've been to the Philippines before I met her, and um, and um, yeah, so um, I realised she was the right one. So um, once I met her, um, February uh, January two thousand fourteen. Later that year, we were married. You're married. Well, there you are. Interracial relationships. You see it everywhere. And I, once upon a time, it was taboo. It was really a bad thing. But now. I, I don't understand why some people are still suffering from r- racism and, and people looking down their nose at an interracial relationship. In fact, one way you can tell how things are becoming norm, and I'll tell you this, and, and uh, I bet now that I mention it, you'll watch it and you'll agree, is that when you watch television commercials for any product, now you'll often see an interracial couple sitting at the dining room table talking about whatever or sitting on the floor with interracial kids. You'll often see same-sex couples in commercials now. Um, and that's, the, that's a real guide as to where the advertising agency is sending their message and they're trying to send their message to as many people as possible. 20 years ago, you would never, ever see an interracial couple on a commercial or a same-sex couple on a commercial. Never, ever. So it shows you how things are changing, isn't it? Uh, and um, while you're um, 
course, another subject you're on tonight uh, about the politicians, right? Yes, so I think they all should be drug tested. They should be uh, drug and alcohol tested. You know what I mean? Me being the truck driver, we've got to be squeaky clean all the time being out. It, well, you, know, you can't even go to work and drive a heavy vehicle just with one mouthful, right? As you would probably know. Why should politicians be allowed to vote on the future of this country when they've had too much to drink? Should they be breath tested? Should they be breath tested at the door of the chamber, Tim? Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. And if they're over the limit, banned from voting. They're the ones that make the laws, right? Yeah. You know, for everyone everyone else to abide by. So, but they're the ones that should be set the good example, right? So if they want to make laws about us people out here, they should follow the same thing. Yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I'm 100% with you on that one. Tim, thanks for your call. Good to hear you again. All right, okay, not a worry. Okay. See you, you, mate. And I guess the other thing that back in the day concerned people about interracial relationships was if you do have children and you have a child that's interracial and looks interracial, they they would get teased at school. But no, not anymore. Surely not. Surely not anymore. Does it happen? One triple three five three. I'll tell you the other thing that we talked about on Sunrise on Friday that we need to talk about. Should public servants and politicians be able to lash out on lavish lunches and dinners at our expense for a meeting? I mean, Parliament House has so many meeting rooms, it's not funny. And I think this is a complete rort. And I said this on Friday, and I'll say it again tonight. It's time to uncouple the gravy train. Recently, the Federal Education Department Secretary, his name is Tony Cook. Last week, he apologised for racking up a bill by public servants... They booked a high-end restaurant to host a work meeting. Guess how much? Have a guess, Thomas. How many people were there? It doesn't say. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 10 staffers. Okay. Uh, they met at the One Hat Kurget restaurant in Canberra. I've never been there. And they held a Senate estimate uh, hearing. Um, it was a meeting about that. This bloke... The Federal Education Department Secretary, Tony Cook, he's apologised for a 12,637 bill racked up by public servants who booked high-end restaurants to host work meetings. He revealed the bills, including at $1,209 charged by 10 staffers meeting at a restaurant. Federal Opposition Education Spokeswoman Sarah Henderson said the restaurant rorts are a disgrace. How could you run a department which allows this sort of flagrant waste of taxpayers' dollars? Look, if you're allowed to do it, they'll do it. I mean, there was nothing illegal here, but the former treasurer, a member for North Sydney, Joe Hockey, was entitled to a living away from home allowance when he was in Canberra, former treasurer, and so he was getting taxpayer rebates on the rent that he spent on the apartment he lived in in Canberra. And guess what? His wife owned it. <laughs> we were paying Joe Hockey's wife. He was claiming his wife's flat on his allowance and she got the rent. Completely legal. If it's legal and they're allowed to do it, they'll do it. 
Morals don't come into it. Come on, change the rules. And if you know, if you want to have a meeting, get some Arnott's biscuits and a cup of tea, and have your meeting there. You don't need to go and spend twelve thousand dollars on a meeting with public servants for Christ's sake. The night shift, Triple M. I was uh, talking to my very good friend Andrew Fennell from Pestrol on Friday morning. Um, and uh, he was telling me that this uh, executioner, double XL, mozzie and fly zapper, is just going fantastic, but he can't get any more of the tennis racket zappers. He's only got so many. Um, just to bring you up to speed, we were talking about mosquitoes, and with the heavy rain down the eastern seaboard of Australia, the mosquito season is just dreadful, and Ross River fever has raised its ugly head again. You don't want to get Ross River fever. And mosquitoes do spread disease. So while you're enjoying your summer, you don't want to enjoy the flies and the mozzies. And he's got this gadget. It is a game changer. It's the Executioner XXL by Pestrol. It's actually the biggest in their range. And it's the big daddy of fly and mozzie zappers. It actually gets rid- it annihilates flies and mozzies over a 300 meter square coverage. And you can get it now 149.90. Remember it comes with a, a warranty, money back guarantee. But he's got 10 tennis racket zappers to give away free. But he's only got 10 this morning. So you need to ring or contact him now and register. Just go to pestrol.com.au. And the free delivery that you'll get comes with the code BONA, B-O-N-A. But there's only 10. It is the Executioner XXL from Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L, Pestrol. Don't let the flies and mozzies ruin your summer. Grab the Executioner XXL, Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L. Uh, Henry's online. Good day, Henry. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. That's good. Good. I just wanted to talk about yes. um, Taylor Swift and the Beatles. Are they comparable in their Can you? I mean, I've, I personally have not seen anything quite this big in my life. I'm trying to think. I wasn't around for the 1964 Beatles tour. But, I mean, three quarters of the population of South Australia turned up to their civic reception, which, is, which we'd never seen before. And this is before the Beatles were really even big in America or hadn't reached anywhere near their peak in the UK. I don't know why we were the first onto them. Can you compare them? Um, I'd say in terms of popula- popularity, absolutely. Like, just to think, like, recently, anything that big, I'd only say, like, One Direction or Justin Bieber, but it's nothing compared to what Taylor Swift is at the moment. Yeah, I, I've never seen anything like it. And yeah. the, not just the ticket sales, the merchandise and and the hotel rooms and the restaurants the 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 amazing effect she's had on the australian economy is that, well, I, I can't remember anything like it yeah she's just a gold mine yeah but yeah. can you compare the music um will taylor yeah. swift songs be as lifelong surviving as the beatles i i don't honestly doubt it mm. um but I have big respect for Taylor Swift because she writes all her own stuff. And so did the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, I think as a role model for women, like Taylor Swift is the one. 
of this generation. Like, tell me this: Is Taylor Swift bigger than Elvis? Um, yeah. And I'd say the Beatles are probably bigger than Elvis. Elvis never wrote a song in his life, remember? He sang other people's songs all the way through. And and people won't like me saying this, but it's true. Elvis became very popular in the southern states of America. He got radio airplay when black musicians were banned. So, I mean, you had Elvis Presley singing, you know, Chuck... You got musicians like Chuck Berry and Ray Charles and Nat King Cole, and the list goes on and on, who were not allowed to be played on a lot of those redneck southern radio stations. And Elvis Presley was singing black music, but he was white, and he got airplay. Just remember that. Well, I'd say the same about the Beatles. They were just really doing black music, and they were white. Even though they wrote it, it it's clearly... Love, love me, do? I, I think that's Love, love me, do, that's the... No, no. No, no, no. But you think of something like I saw. I want to hold your. I'm just going through the songs that got them popular. Love me, do. I want to hold your hand. Twist and shout. That's the cover. Twist and shout. Yeah, yeah. That's. I. I yep. Yeah, I go with that. Give me another one. Um, I saw her standing there. You reckon absolutely. that's a black song? Yeah, absolutely. Listen to the rhythm. Listen I'll to the. I'll never like dance two. with another. Okay. It's a rock and roll song like. Anyway. Um, but Taylor Swift, I just think the mania is totally similar to Beatlemania. Is Taylor Swift better than Pink? Um, well, possibly. I was talking to a mate of mine. I'll tell you who it was. Oh, can I say his name? I was talking to a mate of mine, a regular contributor to this program, who's uh, a leader of business. And he had to go, he had to go to a conference on Saturday night in Brisbane to, to uh, present the awards for his company. Century 21, and um, and he, he, the only place he could find to stay was the Holiday Inn Express, 480 bucks a night, <laughs> and they didn't have towels. Wow. <laughs> That's just... I was talking show. to him yesterday. Oh, God. He said, bloody pink. Uh, wow. Anyway, Henry, thank you for your call. Oh, good. He's your favourite musician of all time. Oh, I love the Beatles, so oh, it's probably the Beatles. Yeah. What do you think of Thomas's outrageous idea, getting Paul McCartney and Ringo together with um, uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards? I, I like the idea, but they're a bit old, and if you've listened to the Rolling Stones' new album, it's, it's, it's good, and it sounds like the Stones, but just the auto-tune, just the, it just, it's just not right. So I think it would be a disservice to them. Okay. Both of them. Would it sell tickets? Oh, of course. You reckon? Bigger than Absolutely. Taylor Swift? No, not bigger than Taylor Swift, but it would sell. Mm. Better than Paul McCartney would. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for your call. All good. Okay. Bye-bye. One triple three five three is the telephone number. And instead of the, um, what are the wristbands that the Taylor Swift... The oh, the French trip. Yeah, friendship bangles. Yeah. Instead of friendship bangles, you'd have um, what would you have? Friendship cigarettes. Peace and love, teacher. Keith, Keith Richards would hand out. How is that guy still alive? How is Keith? The thing is, he probably could pass away, and we wouldn't know for a week because of the preservatives inside him. Give us a call. One triple three five three. Good day, Lisa. Lisa. Yes. Hi. Good morning. How are you going? I'm great, thanks. Where are you? 
Oh, I'm in uh, Morfittville in South Australia. Tell me about Morfittville. I've never been there. Um, it's uh, near the race course. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway. You know, Morfittville race course. <laughs> well, anyway, good on you, Lisa. Thanks for listening. Where they have the Adelaide Cup. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. Tell me, what's on your mind? Oh, I was going to comment on the politicians uh, and mm. the alcohol thing, but can I just make a comment about Taylor Swift? I just have to. Yes, please. You cannot compare Taylor Swift to the Beatles, Elvis, the Rolling Stones, anyone like that. I, you'd have to pay me to go and see her, I reckon. You're not a fan. Nah, nah. How old, this, is a, this is an important question. I don't mean it to be rude because I'm trying to get a, a Taylor Swift demographic in my mind because f- for me, when I look at the crowds and I look at the footage on the telly, most of the people, besides the mums who have taken their kids, they're mostly female and it looks to me that they're mostly 13 to 19. I could be wrong. Would you agree? Well, yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Okay, now how old are you? I'm in 40s. You're in your 40s. And yep. do you have children? I do. How old are they? Um, they're um, uh, 19, 17 and 14. Okay. Do any of your kids like Taylor Swift? Um, no, they're not fans. Uh, they're not... Uh, no, they're, they're into older music, actually. Okay, maybe that's your mum's influence. But Taylor Swift, you've got a 14. Give me the ages again. 14, 17, and 19, and the younger two are girls. And they don't... And, um, wow. You know, I'd have to say that for as a role model, Taylor Swift, uh, I, I wouldn't say she's a good role model for young girls. Why? Her, um, well, have a look what she wears on stage for, for start. Oh. Nothing, oh. basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, also, her songs are highly sexualized. Are they? You know, oh, absolutely. Can, do you get, want your thirteen-year-old daughter watching what she does in her film clips? I don't think so. Tell me, can but you give me some not, lyrics? That's not a, a role model to, for young girls to look up to. I don't believe, anyway. Give, give me. Some, I, I'm not a, a Taylor Swift fan. I, I'm, I'm uneducated. Uh, can you give me some lyrics that are highly sexualized? Give me an example. Oh, you just have to watch one of the film clips. You know. So you don't know off the top of your head. Oh, I don't know her music really, but I, mm. I have seen her film clips and I do know some of her songs. Tell me, did, you, you, you like older music. Do you like the Rolling Stones? Yeah, I do. I can't get no satisfaction. How do you feel about those yeah, lyrics? Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay, you, your kid's not interested in Taylor Swift at all. Well, you, I tell you what. You've saved a lot of money on airfares, accommodation, and merchandise. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Now you wanted to, you I'm said to, you said to Thomas you wanted to talk about drinking at work. Um, yeah, the politicians. Um, well, certainly they should be tested for alcohol if that's what they're doing, um, carrying on while they're at work. I mean, the rest of us have to be subjected to that sort of thing. Mm. And you know, would it be acceptable for them to rock up um, or? Uh, to, at uh, in Parliament stoned, and uh, mm. could that be something that might be acceptable? You know. Well, how about we just ban alcohol in Parliament House? Why can't we do that? I mean, you and I are paying for it. Taxpayers are paying for it. Do we need alcohol in Parliament House? It's a place of work. Does alcohol need to be served? Could they get away with 
uh, alcohol just not being available at Parliament House. What do you make of it? The cup of tea. And you can go and have your fish with vegetables, mind you. You have to pay FPOS. You can't pay by cash. But, yeah, do we need alcohol in Parliament House? There's the question. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Let's put it out there. Should alcohol be banned in Parliament House when the people consuming this are usually politicians or public servants who are then making big decisions on the future of Australia? Absolutely. I agree totally, 100%. Good on you, Lisa. Nice to talk to you. Um, Yeah. How are your kids going? 14, they're at a difficult age, aren't they? Are they getting on okay? Do they fight over the bathroom? (laughs) <laughs> do, the, do, the, do the 14 and 17-year-olds steal each other's clothes? Uh, they do. They wear yes. each other's clothes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, did you, and did you take my scrunchie? Yeah. Where's my hairbrush? Well, it's going back to the 90s and sort of 80s fashion at the moment, I reckon. So, I reckon, uh, yeah. Scrunchies are, yeah, something that are making a comeback. I'll, t- I'll tell you a story that happened in our house, and you would relate to this, Lisa. When our kids were younger, Nikki's daughters god they love each other dearly but they fight like anything you used to hear often you're dead to me you're dead to me i hate you so much anyway one of them lent the other sister's jumper to a friend without her permission went into her room and and lent a friend a jumper well the jumper was missing there was world war four going on I know nothing about it. Why do you always blame me? I know nothing about it. And a couple of days later, the sister whose jumper was stolen sees on Facebook the sister's friend wearing the jumper. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, World War IV. Oh, like, my <laughs> God. Those were the days. And I used to cover, because I, I, I used to start work a little bit later back then, and I would just hide with the covers up over my face, listening to them fighting over the bathroom. Oh, yeah. What else can you do? Oh, I have vivid memories of fighting like that with my sister over bottles of Impulse. I remember once I chased her up the street. Bottles of um, what? A bottle of Impulse. You know, like the spray that used to be like... Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. The yeah. underarm deodorant. Yes. That, <laughs> and Impulse was the number one seller for girls. That's right. Impulse. So it, just, it, it was a long, yeah. thin can. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Go on. Keep going. Yeah, and uh, um, another thing I was thinking of, my older um, siblings, um, there is a a funny story where my sister actually borrowed my brother's, uh, one of those, um, do you remember when those fishnet sort of tops were in, in the 80s? Yes, (laughs) and they were were mid-drift. Yeah, oh yeah, but these were the the guys were wearing. Yes, I remember. Like, yes, yeah, and um, she borrowed his uh, top, and he complained because he said she put tip marks. Story we still tell around the, you know. Uh, Lisa, um, I've got to send you something. Thank you so much. You've made me smile. Such a good story, and such a typical family story. Stay there. I'm going to put you back to Thomas. Okay. Lovely to talk to you. Uh, lovely to talk to you too. There you are. And she's got three kids, 14, 17, 19. 14 and 17-year-olds, girls not interested in Tay-Tay. And, she's, she, and Lisa says she thinks Tay-Tay's not a good example. See, a lot of people would say, no, she should be able to wear what she wants because she empowers women to express themselves and wear what they want. But there's Lisa, a little bit uh, old-fashioned, thinks Tay-Tay 
is not a good example for young. I, she says the lyrics are sexualized. She couldn't quote me any, not off the top of her head. But anyway, what do you make of it? One triple three five three. Did you used to fight with your sisters or brothers? What was the biggest argument over, and did you get over it? One triple three five three. I worked with a wonderful producer many years ago. And she had an older sister by a year and a half or they were close, maybe two years. Anyway, they were going to a a very big family function. It might've been a wedding. And the the producer that I worked with found a, a dress online that she was going to buy. And for this family function, as I say, I think it was a wedding. Her sister went online and bought it for underneath her. Well, these two sisters had to live in the same house, had to sit at the same dining room table, but on weekends they worked in their father's cafe together and they didn't talk for nine months. Nine months the grudge went on over the dress. You'd be able to hear a pin drop. Uh, I, I could not believe it. I could not believe over a dress. What did you used to fight with with your siblings? What was the biggest drama? One triple three five three is the telephone number. It's good to be with you. It's the night shift on Triple M. Yeah, and what's the go with the Taylor Swift friendship bracelet phenomenon? Um, my stepdaughter came over for lunch two weeks ago with her partner. They're both in their late twenties. She's got a wrist full of Taylor Swift friendship bracelets on which she's made. And the boyfriend, he's wearing one as well. I hate fads. Have I ever been a victim of a fad? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And you look at the Beatles haircuts. Everyone had a Beatles haircut at one point. Um, and the, the Kiss Army used to go to concerts, painted up like Kiss. So these fads have always been around. I remember when Jimmy Barnes appeared on the cover of uh, Cole Chisel's East album. He's lying in the bathtub with a headband on with Japanese writing on it. No one knew what the Japanese writing said. Jimmy Barnes's wife, Jane, is Japanese. But anyway, um, fans then started turning up to Cole Chisel gigs wearing headbands with Japanese lettering on them. And Barnesy, looking at it, thought, oh God, what a wank. It's all getting a bit too much. I'll stop wearing it. But anyway, the Taylor Swift sold out Eris tour. And it's not enough to be at the concert. You've got to wear a friendship bracelet. Can anyone educate me on this? It is the, it is the biggest fad in the world at the moment. And apparently you make these friendship bracelets some of them have letters and spell out words and some just have beads. And then you've got to swap them at the shows. How did this come about? Anyway, it's apparently something to do with lyrics to one of her songs. It's too much for me. It's way too much for me. Marcus, hello. Well, good morning to you. How are you? Very good, Marcus. Good morning to you too. So I'm going to um, bring up a little bit of another subject um, away from what you've um, said today, and it's all about sleep apnea. Ah, well, because my one of my treasured clients, who I value very much, a survey, and I talk to a lot of people around Australia who drive, 
during the night and suffer micro sleeps. And I believe so many of my listeners snore and have sleep apnea and they need to get it treated. Well, you're, you're damn right on that one. And I'm going to say, mate, it was actually yourself that actually opened that journey for me to get tested. So I've done done the testing. What you, uh, you, what you heard me talking about it? You did, yeah. You were actually talking. I think um, I might have been one of the uh, one of the sessions. Uh, gee, I think it was a couple of years ago. You were talking about it. Um, so what I did myself um, is I spoke to my doctor and said, "Hey." Um, I think I snore, and my wife just goes, "Yes, he bloody does." Um, and um, so, so what I did is so I got tested. Yeah. Um, so I got wired out for sound, and I spoke to your team um, over at Sovate. So I went and saw them, um, and they sent a technician to come out to wire me up for sound. Oh, they, I, they sent it, them to you, yes? Yeah, they did because I I live out on the western side of Brisbane, right? Um, yeah. And because I'm a truck driver, work at night. Very hard for me to get to a clinic and so forth. Sure. Uh, so I had a guy come out, wired me up for sound, did the sleep test, no dramas. The test got sent straight to my doctor, and the good old dreaded phone call from the doctor said, "Hey, mate, we need to have a chat." Mm-hmm. And I gone, "Yeah, sweet, that's no dramas." So the wife and I went went into the doctor and had a chat with him, and and he said, "Well, you've got two options, my little friend." And I said, "What's that?" And he goes, "You've got to, um, uh, you've got sleep apnea." And um, you've got two options. You you have to use the sleep app machine, or mm-hmm. um, you'll risk your license mm-hmm. um, and your livelihood. Well, as you know, still driving a truck, I've, I've taken option number one. Now I use a Resmed um, AirSense Eleven, which is the new yeah, um, and it's model. Sm- it's smaller and lighter. Yes, and it's ideal for truck drivers. I've actually got the iPhone app. Um, on on the iPhone. Yes. Um, and it actually tells me within about three to five minutes from getting out of bed um, what my score is. So mm-hmm. it scores you from zero to a hundred. Yeah. Um, tells you how many how many hours usage you've had for that for that night. You know, and your mask seal and events per hour. Yeah. When I did my test, I was at eighty six point three um, events per hour. Right. Which is severe. Um, so, mm. which is automatically a license suspension. Mm-hmm. But provided, because I said, mate, give me that machine, I don't want my license taken off. And he said, yep, go down to the pharmacy, rent it. Um, so, which I did for two uh, for two weeks. Then I went and saw a specialist, and he said, yep, you've got sleep apnea. This is what you need to do. And then I went and brought my own machine from Resmed, mm-hmm. which is the AirSense Eleven. Um, I can tell you now on, so the last five months is what I've been doing, using the machine for, um, I've gone from 86 events per hour down to 2.4. Do you feel better? Um, I can tell you, mate, I'm going to give you a secret. The love life is absolutely amazing. Um, so the special cuddles are absolutely on point. Um, the love, the, uh, the wife loves it, but I don't actually snore. Hmm. There you are, folks. There you are. And you know what? It's, it probably saved your life. And my dad used to snore, and he was thin and fit. But he used to rock the house. And mum used to say he would stop breathing for over 60 seconds. And my dad dropped dead of a massive heart attack. This is 20, 25 years ago. Um, and we know 
we know he had sleep apnea because we could hear it. And I just wish back then we knew then what we now know. It would have given him an extra 20 years. I'm 100% sure of it, uh, Marcus. You are actually spot on. But then when you, when the doctor does what he normally does, I do a medical each shift because I'm a heavy vehicle driver. Um, I did all the, all the blood tests and all that before, and my cholesterol and all that was not absolutely perfect, but it wasn't good. Like it, was, it, was, it needed improvement. I've now just done my whole round of you know, um, your bloods and all that. My, they are absolutely spot on, and I've lost eight kilos. So I'm not wow. a, I'm not I'm not thin. Like I, I'm still a normal, typical forty two year old truck driver. Um, but I can tell you now with um, Nature B as well. Let's do another plug on them. Um, between the uh, sleep app machine and Nature B, um, my life is getting a lot better. You made me very happy, Marcus. I only endorse products I believe in, and you've reinforced that. Sove, S-O-V-E, sove.com.au, and powerpollen, powerpollen.com.au. Changes your life forever. Changes your life forever. Money back guarantee. Marcus, thank you so much for calling in. I'll let Justin know that you've rung. He'll be thrilled to hear what you've had to say. Absolutely, mate. Love your show. Talk to you all later. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Well, there you are. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I'm going to take a break. Be back. Okay, Terry. Good day. Hello there. I'm sorry, I'm a bit croaky, uh, Luke, because I've been to see Sweetie tonight. Oh my God, <laughs> Terry. Oh my God. I tell you what. I flew over from Perth to see her with my daughter. It cost me thousands of dollars. Literally thousands to get here, stay for a couple of nights, get home. And, yeah, best bloody concert I've ever been to. And I've been to literally, I would say, about 80 or 90 concerts in my life. Best, best. How old? Terry, I've got to ask, what age demographic? I've I've got to try and (laughs) pigeonhole you here. How old are you? I'm in my 50s. My daughter's 19. God, we had a I wonderful love you. And I sat there and I sung every bloody song. Um, I don't know all the words, but Jesus, we had a great night. And everybody was there for the same reason. There was girls as young as five up to my age and older. It was just brilliant. And whatever that other woman said, she's, she can get stuffed. She's got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> she says that the she shouldn't wear mm-hmm. what she's wearing. Oh, dear. And that the lyrics are sexualized. I then put to her, she, she loved the Rolling Stones, I, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. But, uh, and, I, and I quite liked I quite liked it. I thought she was quite fun. But she says that Taylor Swift is not a good example to young women because of what she wears. Your thoughts? Bollocks. Absolute bollocks. <laughs> she's pretty. She's got the figure. She's young. The first, one of the first songs she sang was Man. And that really puts men in No idea. Place. I need education. I, I don't know one song. Oh, my stepdaughter, My stepdaughter, Kelsey, has tried. She has sent me links because she thinks I'm old. I'm an old fart. I'm boring and stuck on Led Zeppelin, Cold Chisel and the Foo Fighters. And, and I like the lyrics. The music did nothing for me, though. I, I, but, but I appreciate she writes songs and I appreciate that um, she's very, very clever, the way she touched that record company that ripped her off, and now she's re-recorded everything. I think she's very, very clever, but she's just not my taste, and that's all right. 
It sure is just fair enough. And there was a lot of sweetie dads there tonight. Oh, and no. Oh, you know, my, my um, finance expert, uh, Shane Oliver, he's the chief economist with AMP. He's been in the game for 40 years. Quite conservative. He's a Tay-Tay fan. If you go onto our Facebook, you'll see him. He, got, he finally got tickets to go see Tay-Tay right up the side, up the back, but he doesn't care. Well, I'm an accountant, you know, I'm as dry as cardboard, so I know where he's coming from. But uh, You're yeah. a Tay-Tay mum. Okay, you're from Perth. Yes. How, all up, airfares, accommodation, merchandise, food, drinks, friendship bracelets. How um, much all up has this cost you? Well, well over 5000 at least, five grand. I was thinking about it when I was on the phone. Bloody airfares there and back, 700 bucks. Yes. Yeah, 700 bucks. Yes. Back. I booked the tickets as soon as I knew. And, uh, you know, our house is like a bloody call centre. There's laptops <laughs> everywhere. And <laughs> finally got friggin' four tickets. It was amazing. And, um, sorry, I got a croaky voice. And yeah, yeah, and the outfits, my my frock, I went Evermore. That was my era. No idea. Um, cost me a couple of hundred, and my daughter just went all out. She's a uni student; she can't bloody afford anything. So I guess who had to pay for it all? And uh, five yeah, grand. Yeah, she went Reputation. That cost me a bloody. Don't understand what you're saying. Don't don't even <laughs> don't even try and explain it. I've got no idea. Oh. Now th- this friendship bracelet thing is this a wank? Is this a toss up? Well, it comes from one of the songs. Yes. Oh, jeepers, what's it called? It was in the 2022 Midnight's album. <laughs> um, I can't, you know, she, she wrote the, st- the song for Stevie Nicks because she was grieving for Christine McVie, and that's how it started, and that's how it, yeah, it was a great song. I can't think what it's bloody called now. I sang it all night. Doesn't matter, I don't oh. care. Uh, <laughs> well, look. I think you. I think you are a great mum. So your daughter's in uni in Melbourne or Sydney or where? Oh no, she's in Perth. She's okay. At UWA. So you yeah. you flew her over as well. Absolutely, she's nineteen. That's what I'm saying. Okay, she's but I'm sorry, I thought you flew over to to see her. No, she she's in Perth and she yeah. went with you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's well, she What's she doing at uni? She's doing a double IR and law. I don't so. know what's that. Uh, international re- relations. She wants to go over with Barnaby and sit in bloody um, Canberra. That's what she'll be, one of them. So <laughs> Hopefully she's not on the footpath with Barnaby. <laughs> and I love Barnaby. I, 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 I've known him for a long time. We have great chats. I just think if you have a problem with the grog, yeah, do, 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 it, do it at home. Yeah, yeah, and especially this prescription prescription drug thing. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. anyway. That's strange. Anyway, that's... I'm, Digressing. So, will your daughter? De- how many years is the degree? Uh, all up, because she's doing a double. It's going to take four and a half years, and that's even before she sits the bar. So, yeah, yeah. But she's guaranteed a job when she finishes. Oh yeah, big time, and she better be bloody paying me to come along. That's with right. Her. She owes you now, Mum. Terry, she owes you. <gasps> she's a brick. I've got to. Go. How many kids? Have- Only to forty-three degrees. Um, in a couple of days, so yeah. It's been I know you're in for some weather. hot. You're in. You're in for some very hot weather. Gavin Morris yeah. has told us that this morning. Listen, yeah. um, Terry, thank you so much. You've made my day. You need, you need to know anything. I'm a walking, talking Swifty encyclopedia. Don't need Google. I know it all. At so, fifty. Okay.
What? At 50. Yeah. You're yeah. A, you're so, a dis- you're- I know. I, I know. I was born in 66. So it'd be oh, old, right. Yeah, but- well, yeah, you see, but you grew up with ABBA. <laughs> oh, but, oh, I hated ABBA. Oh, you grew up with the Bay City Rollers. No, no. My dad was a real big, you know, country western, Fleetwood Mac and all that. Fleetwood Mac's all right. You've got, so you grew up with the Rumours album? You grew up with Pink oh, Floyd? I was, more, I was more Tusk that era. So. Okay, that's later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I was Rumours. I don't know who they like. Bloody Charlie Pride and all that. Oh, no. They had to put up with. So, High so on a mountain of love. Oh, who knows? If you want, I don't care. <laughs> I'm tired. Terry, really? I bet you you're exhausted. I've got to go to bed. This has taken 10 years off you. <laughs> Thank God. Terry, <laughs> Terry, you are a disgrace. Oh, how dare it. Lisa's going to hate me forever. Disgusting, disgusting. You see, all her songs are about her exes. A lot of them are uh, Harry Styles, and they're really salacious and sexy. And, oh, but you look at him, you know. And then she had the... That song, oh, I don't care. Oh, the, the, the 10 minute song, I knew you all too well. And that was all about Jake Gyllenhaal. So she's been through every bloke, you know. So um, it was quite entertaining with all. And the guy she's going out with at the moment. The football? He's, yeah, he's just the next album, you know, the next breakup album coming along. Yeah, it'll happen. Needs fodder. So. That's right. Some of the best songs ever written were written out of heartbreak, weren't they? <laughs> exactly. Hey, half the songs are about falling in love, and the other half are about when it's all over. I know, and how disgusting is that? I tell you, friggin' hell. Anyway. Hey, Terry, it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. Thank you. See you later. Bye. Terry, who's in Melbourne. She's been to the Tay-Tay thing. She knows every word. She's born in 1966. What a great mum. What a disgrace. And I wonder if Terry and her daughter knows that she will be on our podcast today. But that's the thing. That's the thing. Whatever floats your boat. Tay-Tay does nothing for me, but I tell you what, I'm in the minority. I'm in the minority. She is a worldwide phenomenon. Bigger than the Beatles, bigger than Elvis. You tell me. The Night Shift, Triple M. The Night Shift around Australia here on the... Triple M Network. Tell me, would you dump your partner or your latest love if your dog didn't approve? Interesting study in the UK. A very interesting study. New research has revealed that a whopping half of UK singletons would actually ditch a date if their dog turned their nose up at them. The study has highlighted that more than two-thirds, 69% of single women in the UK believe their dog is a good judge of character and able to sniff out bad guys. A poll of 2,022 dog owners suggests thousands of Brits trust their dog's instincts. Similar to Puffy from the movie There's Something About Mary. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, there are men who are desperate to date Mary who was played by Cameron Diaz, and uh, they had to contend with a very bad-tempered border terrier that was the that belonged to the neighbour. Anyway, over half of the women, fifty-nine percent, admitted they would they would um, ditch the date if the dog didn't like them. Are you the same? One triple three, five three is the telephone number. And here's a question: Do cats have the same instincts? 
Are cats the same? I, I find cats very, very different to dogs. And I like both cats and dogs. I grew up with both cats and dogs. But they're different. They're very, I mean, don't say, yeah, of course they're different. One's a cat, one's a dog. But I'm just saying, do you reckon cats have that sixth sense about people that dogs do? One triple three five three is the number if uh, you've got some thoughts and all of that. Now, remember that last caller was talking about um, how Sove saved his life and the nature bee. Well, the power pollen is so important. Um, I'm sure you've heard the buzz about Nature Bee's Power Pollen through this program. Thousands and thousands of Australians start their day off with more energy, better overall health, better well-being, thanks to Power Pollen. And this is your chance to give it a go. Because right now, Nature Bee is giving all new customers their first week of Nature Bee Power Pollen free. Now, there is a code. It's called 10OFF, the number 10, 1, 0, 10OFF. You pay just twenty nine ninety five plus delivery, and you can have a week's free supply of power pollen. Stocks are very limited. So hurry in. You've heard, you've heard what everyone's saying. Try it for yourself. If it doesn't give you more energy, a better feeling of well-being, you get your money back. Otherwise, I wouldn't endorse it. And I've been endorsing this for 24 years this year. Powerpollen.com.au, 1-800-147-009, powerpollen.com.au. Quick break, be back. You know, every time there is a, a shark attack uh, in Australia, around Australia, somewhere around Australia, um, it sells, if there's a picture of a, a shark particularly a great white with its mouth open on the front page of the paper, the, the sales triple. People are fascinated with shark attacks. That's why I guess we were fascinated with the movie Jaws. But the thing is, is a shark attack up there with a dog attack? As soon as a dog, even a wild dog, in its element on Fraser Island, the dingo, if it attacks a human, it's put down. And there is a South Australian mayor by the name of Andrew McLeod who thinks the same way. He wants the South Australian government to kill sharks that are responsible for fatal attacks after they claimed three lives in South Australian waters in the past nine months. I'm going to talk to, hopefully, Mayor McLeod a little bit later this week. Mr McLeod was knocked off his surfboard by a shark 10 years ago and has appealed to the other 10 Air Peninsula councils to lobby the government to take greater action. In a motion to be discussed by the Air Peninsula Local Government Association next month, Mr McLeod wants support for the government to capture and kill sharks responsible for attacks. He also wants the council's support to condemn the use of burly to attract sharks for entertainment purposes. Now, there are, so what happens is, Thomas, um, a lot of uh, fishing charter businesses will throw burley out in the water, chump, you know, blood, meat, uh, whatever, to attract sharks for the tourists to take photos of. And there are diving 
companies where you go down in a cage and they'll throw burly out to get the sharks to come up so you can take your photo and look at me next to a shark. Mr. McLeod is saying that should be banned. We shouldn't be attracting sharks to people. He wants council support to condemn the use of burly to attract sharks for entertainment purposes, such as cage diving. He wrote, the implications of doing nothing would be more people being harmed or killed by sharks, and it would cause more mental trauma on those who witness attacks. And it will eventually lead to a downturn in tourism, he's saying. We know that people are being mutilated and killed by shark attacks on the Air Peninsula, and these attacks have increased in frequency. The thing I'd like, and I look forward to talking to him, if he's saying track down, hunt, and kill the sharks that have been involved in attacks, how does he know which shark was involved in the attack? Because they all look very similar. (laughs) How do you know you're destroying the shark that did attack someone? Is it the shark's fault that they attacked someone? Can you draw a comparison Because a lot of people will ring me and say, no, the shark is in its element. It belongs in the water. We don't leave sharks alone. Can you use the same comparison to a dingo on Fraser Island attacking a tourist or killing a tourist? The dingoes in its element, should we not be on Fraser Island? Should we not be anywhere near dingoes? Is it the same thing? You tell me. One triple three five three is the number of the night shift. Around Australia on the Triple M network. This is the night shift with Luke Barner. The night shift. One triple three five three. Night shift at triple M Oh, you gave me an email, Thomas, and I've lost it. Oh, here it is. It's all right, as you were. Sit down. Sit down. Uh, this is from Barry. Doesn't say where Barry's from. It's from a Hotmail address. Hi, Luke and Thomas. You can't compare Taylor Swift to the Beatles. She will be known in 40 years like the Beatles. So glad you don't play her music, right? You can't compare Taylor Swift to the Beatles. Oh, Beatles. She, oh, anyway, he, he, he's not a Taylor Swift fan. I don't quite understand what he's saying. Uh, Two, I've been alcohol and drug tested on and off since 1999, working in the mines and now traffic control. Of course, politicians should be treated the same as all workers, but they won't be. Great show, guys. That's from Barry. If Barry, if you can get to a phone, get, send us your, your, your number. I'd love to talk to you. So I'm tipping here that you, you're saying you can't compare Taylor Swift to the Beatles. So glad you don't play her music. So he's not a Taylor Swift fan. Um, oh, I see. You can't compare Taylor Swift to the Beatles. Full stop. Will she be known in 40 years like the Beatles? Well, we'll only know in 40 years. We'll only know in 40 years. Nice email. I got you. My, my mistake. Thanks for your call, Barry. Thanks for your email. One triple three five three. James, hello. Hey, Lucky. Hey, James. Where are you, mate? Oh, just at work. Do you want to tell me what you do or not? Uh, no. I work as a, a night shift cleaner, so we, we do the graveyard shifts. I'm right with you. I'm here with you. <laughs> Good fun, though. You see not, not as many crazy people running around the place, so it's a bit more, a lot easier. <laughs> well, look, 
we're all in this together, you know? Exactly. We're all in this together. James, talk to me. Um, well, I just want to talk to you about because uh, you spoke about um, a lot of men now, well, probably not a lot of, uh, about Asian, uh, dating Asian women. Ah, it was a story that I read online and it just got me thinking um, that there, there are cases still today where an interracial relationship raises eyebrows and she was talking about an Australian woman and her partner. Her partner is Indian. And his family's not too happy about it. Her family, okay. His family, not too happy about it. Maybe it's more of a cultural thing. Any Indians listening, please feel free and ring me, one triple three five three. Because I know when I went to India, uh, we were explained the arranged marriages that still happen, very, very popular. And also explaining the caste system. And there are some levels of in society, within the Indian culture, that should not mix with others. And that's just within Indians, let alone an Australian white girl. So I thought we were over it, interracial relationships, but some people still have a problem with it, James. Oh, exactly. Well, I, I absolutely agree that I, I believe it's more of a, a cultural thing where, because that's what been, they've been doing since how, how many decades, or how many, how many years. Mm-hmm. So obviously they're going to... Continue to do what they believe is is right, is correct, mm. um, and things like that. So that's why. So it's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. Oh, absolutely. Now, so what they, about? They, have to, they want to live by their culture. Their their culture is their life. Okay. Now there was a bloke who rang up earlier, and he said he is with an Asian woman, Filipino, and he said the Filipino women treat their men a lot better than Australian women treat their men. This is what he said. This is what he said. What do you think he means by that? Well, in, in, in not 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 all Western, like Westernized women are the same. Like, there's obviously there's select few that do do the wrong thing and and say things and and things like that that make them look to be that bad. But yes, I do agree that there is not a lot of Western women are like that. But, but what does he mean? I I, I listened well, to. Him. He seemed like a very nice bloke. But what does he mean when he says? Uh, the Filipino women, I just got to be careful. I should replay the the whole call. But he said something along the lines of the Filipino women and, uh, 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 treat their men better than Australian women treat their men. In some cases, I would agree. Mm. Um, I've dated some Australian women, and I've said to myself, "I'm never dating one again." But that's that's my own my own view. Um, I'm married to a Filipino. There you are. She's there you are. The right. Amazing woman in the world. It's. I, I, did you choose her because she's Filipino, or did you just fall in love like normal people fall in love? Oh, absolutely. Fine. You, you didn't go looking for a Filipino woman. No, I was okay. actually introduced to. She was introduced to me through a friend of ours. Yes. Um, and I, I, I hit it off with her like like crazy straight like, away. Was it love at first I, sight? Was, well, I I spoke to her online through Facebook Messenger and things like that, but we spoke on Skype for forty hours plus a week. I was like, every night we're on the on Skype talking. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I just hit off this extremely well. Uh, we've been married now seven years. Uh, so we take together now eight years, uh, married seven years. And it's I've, I've never wished to go back on, on that decision. Like, but you didn't choose her out because she was Filipino. You, f- just, not. You, you just met her and fell in love. 
Exactly. Tell me, do you get raised eyebrows? Do you think people look sideways at you? Have you had any comments? Oh, absolutely. I've, what have you I've, gone? What have you have you have you experienced racism? Oh, a hundred percent. Tell me about well, it. What happened? Well, it's it's more so where you said that people are commenting, Oh, you you've um paid for her to come to Australia, you're like you you're a mail order bride, things like that. Like that really pisses me off, excuse my language, but that really ticks my ticks me off because if you don't understand the culture, what right do you have to comment on that culture? Like, like the last guy said, like Filipino women are the most caring, loving, um, and understanding women. And like, I've aren't Australian women the same? Do they lack that? I, I think in in today's society, yes. Not oh, like, like I said, not not all, but there's obviously they, they select few that um, say and do things that make women in, of, a, of a Western culture a lot worse than they are. Same thing can be said for any culture. Like Asians, if like there are select Filipino women that do things that are not the right way to do things. Um, but it comes down to is do you love that person? Do you find an attraction to that person? 100% I do. Can you tell me, just because you, you just skipped over it, what sort of racism have you experienced? Oh, it's 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 down to the point of it's mostly her is like because she's Asian it's like they're um like they're, they're dumb they don't understand no like, no no but you have you have you suffered or experienced racism from friends family from um when you go out together when you hold hands in public do, do you feel people are looking personally no like I there, hmm. there are times when when people do look and go well, what the heck is this it's like, well, so you have seen that oh yeah see I thought we were over that I thought no, we're not. Oh, you, you look up Google. Oh, it's it's all it's it's happening all over the world. It's called passport uh, passport bros. What it's is about it? Passport going overseas. Yeah, passport bros. They they go to other countries, meet other women, um, experience different cultures and things like that. And a lot now it's coming out, and it's mostly Western women in America, from what I've or what I've been reading, is. They're up in arms because men are leaving in droves to go and find an Asian or other culture um, women. Why is it because when, is it because uh, Filipino women or Thai women or Asian women have a lower standard and they and they and uh, uh, Australian women know their rights will not be pushed around, uh, won't fawn over their men, and these women if, with the promise of a better life in Australia are, w- are willing to, I don't know. Be more subservient, is that it? No, I absolutely disagree with that. Like, it's like I said, every culture has their problems. Asians are no different. Australian Western women are no different. It's every culture has their ups and downs. Like, there's no if, buts, or maybe's about it. But when you come into, when you marry a, a Filipino woman, some of them are the most um, knowledgeable people in the world. Like, they, they get a Western culture um, learning experience. Yeah, of course. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm just saying I am surprised after I read this article um, that there's still a prejudice. Well, 100%. Um, in this day and age. And let's forget about Asian women. Let's just say, you know, a black American man with a white Australian girl or it doesn't matter. Um there's still a social stigma, according to the article. And the, and the article, the example they gave was a white Australian and an Indian. 
And it was the Indians' fa- family that had the problem. Oh, well, yeah, because it's a cultural thing. Like I said, their, their belief is their belief. And I, I'm, I'm not denying their beliefs, but... Okay, look, I'll tell you what, James. I'm, I, re- I really wish you and your wife all the, all the best. You've got children? Uh, I've got a stepdaughter, and I, I love her as if she's my yeah. own flesh and blood, and she knows that. Oh, that's lovely. James, thank you for sharing. Thanks, Lucky. Good luck. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. Um, which leads me on to the Indian thing. Yeah, I took a group of listeners to India a few years ago and uh, I found it a fascinating country. But one of the things I found triple fascinating is the arranged marriages, which still go on. And the caste system, where you can belong to a certain caste, which is superior to another Indian caste, and you don't socialise with them. And don't talk about the untouchables at the very, very bottom. It's, it's fascinating to learn. And it goes on today. And we, I forget where we were, Delhi. And the Saturday paper is a huge broadsheet. And it is filled with ads advertising for arranged marriages. Bride wanted, fair-skinned, tertiary educated. You should, they listed. And then a matchmaker... And they line up interviews in the afternoon. Okay, well, you can come around at two, you come around at three, you come around at four, and they meet the parents. And these arranged marriages, and they work. They actually work. The arranged marriages last longer than what they call the love. I've got my fingers in the air doing the love marriages, and they work. It seems outrageous to our culture, doesn't it? An arranged marriage, but in India, it works. It's one of the fascinating things I found out when I was visiting there. Any of our Indian listeners, please give us a call. Explain it. Explain how the arranged marriage works and the dowry system, because it is interesting. One triple three five three is the number. This is the night shift on Triple M. But Quickie is coming up soon. Today's clue is on the podcast. Can I give the clue now? They've already got two. What? They know it's eighties. Did we? Oh yes, we established that it's an eighty song, and yes, it's Australian, and it's. I said they've got two clues. Oh, because that was Friday. We give away a clue every hour. That's right. Uh, right. And the quickie went off in the first hour. You did. So then we had two more hours of man cave, and that ah, oh. so double dip a quickie. Okay, so you don't want me to give today's clue away. Oh, so it's, we could do it at three. So it's eighties, and it's Australian. You'll get another listen to it in half an hour. But if you want to hear today's clue, go to the podcast. One triple three five three. Um, if you've been trying to get through and you haven't been able to, have another go now. Some people have just dropped out. Their phones haven't lasted or they couldn't wait on. And I do apologize if there's a wait. Thomas will always say, listen, if you can can you wait on? If you can't, we'll ring you back. But uh, some people have just dropped out. So there's a couple of lines available now, and there's lots to talk about. So if you want to get through now, Thomas will pick up the phone straight away. One triple three five three lines available right now here on the night shift. Hey, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow the photos. If you go to their website, the before and after photos, we put Swift Grow on a plant that we needed to grow vertically in a hurry to fill a gap in a hedge. It's the fe- it's the fence between our place and the park that we back onto, and. Nikki planted a tiger grass. Do you know what a tiger grass is? No, you don't. You have no idea. 
It kind of looked like a bamboo. Very bloody expensive. This thing was 60 bucks. But we were, it needed to grow a foot to fill this hole. It's done it in two weeks. Swift grow. Unbelievable. If you want greener lawns, if you want flowers throughout your garden all through winter, swift grow. So why don't you start this year with greener lawns, bigger plants, better water retention, better tasting veggies. Swiftgrow.com.au I am so proud of this product because we discovered it here on the night shift. So a five litre bottle will last you forever. Just 120 bucks and that includes free delivery anywhere in Australia. If it's green and it grows, you will love Swift Grow. Order online, but just get it into your soil and it keeps working. It's a natural bacteria that should have been in our soils for all these years, but we got rid of it through artificial fertilisers. Uh, Brendan rang in a few weeks ago. The way I explain it to anyone is because obviously it's not a fertiliser as such. It's like steroids for plants. Hmm. But a few things that happen which I, I still can't get my head around, and one of them is I've got roses, and not only does it make healthy roses, they smell nice, but the way that it's helped combat um, black spot. Yeah. And then apart from that, whether it be the grass, I've grown tomatoes, I've grown corn, I've got fruit trees. <laughs> it, he's got everything. That's Brendan, who loves Swift Grow. Steroids for plants, and it's all natural. Swiftgrow.com.au. If you're a gardener or if you know of someone who's a gardener, they will love this. Quick break. Be back. If you want to jump on board, as I say, a couple of lines have just now opened up with people who couldn't hold on. So have a crack. And let's encourage some conversation. Let's get to know each other. And if you've never rung before, today is your day. If you've just stumbled across this program, feel free to join the family. One triple three five three. Quick break, be back. David, good morning to you. Mike. How are you, Dave? Good, mate. I'm uh, calling from Port Lincoln in South Australia. You're exactly who I want to talk to then. What do you make of this mayor who says we should be chasing down, hunting and destroying sharks that attack people? Uh, well, I've got a fair bit of history in this and my uh, brother was taken by a shark. Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. Uh, quite a while ago. What What happened? Oh, he was diving uh, up the coast not far from where this mare is. and Yeah, he got taken. Well, he, well, he was swimming? Tell me what were the circumstances. He was diving. Professional diving. He was professional Abalone, diving, Abalone yeah. Diver. He's an abalone diver. Yes. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, coming up and he got onto the sea. He saw the shark on the bottom and... He was um, got to the surface before, and it it got him when he was on the surface. He was screaming out, and the decky didn't quite get to him, and that was the end of that. Oh no! What sort of shark was it? Do they know? A white shark. Great white. Yeah. And it followed him to the surface. Followed him to the surface. Yep. Do you think swimming or being on the surface is not the safest place to be? No, because you can't see. Yeah. Should have stayed down. Ah, oh, well, who knows what he would have seen on the bottom. What a the I'm, so, I'm so, so sorry. So this mayor, Elliston. Yep. Andrew McLeod. 
who was knocked off a surfboard by a shark some years ago. He wants the South Australian government to hunt down and kill sharks responsible for fatal attacks. Um, I wonder how he knows which shark committed the fatal attack. After my brother was taken um, and the rule on the West Coast, someone went out there and uh, they caught a shark two days later right where he was taken. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was definitely the right one because they cut it open. Oh, shit. That's terrible. So what are your thoughts on all of this? Well, I agree with him. I agree with him 100%. I've also uh, worked on the shark cage diving business over here. Tell me all about it. You've never heard about the shark diving in Port Lincoln? Yes, I, well, I just did, did this morning. And, and this same mayor wants those businesses to stop throwing out burley to attract the sharks. They've been there for a long time and they um, uh, bring a lot of tourists to the town. Yes. Uh, they've been doing it for over 20 years. And uh, where they do it's about 50 miles south of Port Lincoln at an island and there's a seal colony on there with uh, probably... Fifteen to 18,000 seals living on it. Yes. And uh, that's where they do it. And that's a fair way away from uh, population. Do you think those sort of businesses should cease and desist because they're attracting sharks or not? Well, me as being a professional diver for all those years I was doing it, I, uh, I used to think it was a good thing because they'd keep them out there, not where I was. Sure. Do you think that a shark, once it attacks a human, will attack a human again? Or do sharks go for humans that look like seals, for example? Well, I don't think anyone could answer that, really. Mm. No. Everyone, everyone's got a theory, and people that make money out of uh, researching sharks will say that they don't. They just mistake it for a seal. But who knows? We look like seals when we're swimming around in a wetsuit. Do you think... See, for example, on Fraser Island, if a dingo attacks a tourist, they put it down. That's right. The, and I'm not, I'm not saying we should be hunting and killing all white pointers, but if you're at a Sydney beach, say, and one takes somebody there, well, it should be got rid of in case it comes back and gets another one. But how do you know you're getting the right shark? Well... I just told you when my brother was taken, they got the they, right they had They cut it open and had proof, but what if, so, it's, what, what if it's not a fatal attack? If it's not a fatal attack, well, I still honestly think that they should be, especially when there's population around, they should be getting rid of it. They're not in there for a holiday. They're there to eat. I, I have spoken to a shark expert about three weeks ago, and they were saying that the sharks are coming closer. Um, because of the currents and their prey, the fish that they chase are coming closer. Is that the shark's fault? No, that's and that's uh, that's what they do. They you know they're hunting fish and seals are their main uh, their main diet, and we just get in the road. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about bull sharks, which are very aggressive. There was that that woman bitten in Sydney Harbour. That's right. Oh, look, it can happen anywhere. And uh, down here in South Australia, we've got a lot of white sharks. So, and they're, uh, you know, the top of the food chain. What was your brother's name? Paul. Oh, how tragic. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. It was a fair, it's a long time ago now, and, you know, we're a small community down here, and I, I actually know three different people that were taken by sharks in uh, out of this area. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Doing what? Uh, one was surfing. Another one was diving uh, at an island offshore. He was a professional fisherman. He jumped in to get some abalone to eat for dinner and got taken. And, uh, yeah, my brother was diving. He was a professional diver. All right. Well, Port Lincoln's not a place to go if you... If you're worried about sharks. Port Lincoln's a beautiful place. There's just a few sharks around the place. Just Yeah, that's just, that's don't go swimming. All right. Hey, listen, I'm, as again, David, sincerely sorry to hear about your loss. Thank you. But, it's uh, yeah, I'm just agreeing with what the mayor says. If there's one there that's uh, taken somebody in their town, I think they should get rid of it. Thanks for your call, Dave. No worries. I'm a first-time caller, too. Uh, well, I'll put you back to Thomas. We'll give you something, okay? Long-time listener. Well, I will give you a Triple M T-shirt or something, okay? Tom, I'll put you back to Thomas. He he guards the prizes, okay? <laughs> Thanks, He'll, mate. We'll find something. Thank you so much. See ya. Well, that's David from Port Lincoln. Lost his brother. Well, you heard it. And he says, yep, kill the sharks. Go for them. If they if they fatally attack someone, get rid of them. What are your thoughts? One triple three five three is the number. Ian's online, and Ian is an old mate of mine. Good morning, Luke. How are you? Folks, this is Ian Allison, who rang me when I first started here on the Triple M Network, and he's been a loyal listener all this time. This is the bloke that worked on the Mad Max car, and he sent me a a framed photo of it, and he signed it for me, and it's proudly in my man cave. I've actually sent you a photo of it in my man cave. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, Luke. Looks looks fantastic. They, How they, old were you when you worked on the Mad Max car for the first movie? <laughs> I can't remember that many years back. Well, <laughs> so it was 1978, 79. 78, 78, 77, 78. So how old were you? When were you born? 51. Yeah. And so a, a few years ago. And what was your what was your main job on the car? I just uh, just body work and paperwork. Yeah, yeah. What a car to do body work on, eh? Oh, magnificent car for a Ford. For a Ford, yes. <laughs> it's the that is the only Ford that I would allow in my driveway. I'd love to own one. Yeah, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You, I'm I, a Holden man. So yeah, me I, too. I'm a Holden man through and through. Hey, Ian. Yes. How do you double yes, the How do you double the value of a Ford? Have you double the value of Double the value of a Ford. Yep. Um, yeah, I couldn't tell you that, Luke. Yeah, put fuel in it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> double the value <laughs> of a Ford. Put, put half a tank of petrol in it. Put half a tank of petrol in it. <laughs> Ian, That's what right. are you ringing me for, brother? Yes, Luke. Um, you talk about Swift Grow? Well, let me tell you. We've got a Swift down here that's growing. The t- oh, Taylor Swift Grow. Taylor Swift. TaylorSwiftGrow.com.au. <laughs> TaylorSwiftGrow.com.au. Uh, three concerts, massive concerts, people everywhere. It's uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Um, TaylorSwiftGrow.com.au, guaranteed to grow your audience by 50% in just one week. I like that. <laughs> Taylor Swift Grow guaranteed to empty your wallet in one swift blow. <laughs> TaylorSwiftBlow.com.au. 
I love it. <laughs> I know. I'm an ideas man. Um, Wait till Montana hears this. I think she's heading your way, isn't she? Yeah, she is. It's all, yeah. it's all booked out. It's all sold out. Yeah, all sold out. Here Do you know what they have? Yeah. Do you know what they have? They have tailgate parties where people who couldn't get tickets drive to the venue and they park as close as they can. I don't think they can at Acor. There's no parking anywhere near the venue. But people gather, they gather in the car park or along the apron of the of the stadium and they have eskies and deck chairs and picnics and they yeah. and they listen to the concerts leaking out of the stadium. Absolutely. That's desperate, Absolutely. isn't it? That's desperate. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, yeah, I work on ride share and um, t- tonight it was crazy when all the people were coming out. They, they'd, they'd blocked off all the roads where we couldn't get in to pick up people and, and people were having to walk kilometres away mm-hmm. uh, and... And half of the drivers couldn't even get to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. I tell you and what, you I tell you what, the Ubers would have been enjoying this. It would have been massive surge pricing going on in Melbourne. Oh, not to mention the hotels surge pricing. Hardest, yeah, the hardest part was reaching people. Yeah, yeah, trying to get to people. Sure, I get because, it. Because the roads are all blocked off, mm-hmm. and they blocked off roads here that really didn't need to be blocked off. Mm. But there were so many people coming out of the stadium at the MCG, and they were going everywhere, you mm. know. So it was very, very, very difficult. But, but anyway, all the ones that I spoke to <coughs> really enjoyed the show. Um, they said it was amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, hey, so how long have you been dri- Who do you drive for now? I drive for Uber. Okay, okay. What's GoGet? I see GoGet cars everywhere. I don't understand it. What, what, what's GoGet all about? Um, they're, they're, they're just the cars you, um, they, they park them on the side of the road. You come along, you hook it up on your phone and then you get the, 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 the car to just like rent. So it's a, it basically it's an online rental business, but you have to go to the car wherever the previous, you, you go to the wherever the previous person parked it, you got to go to them. So you need yeah. someone to drive you. Um, yeah, of course. What if yeah, the, what if, if the nearest go get car is fifty miles away or twenty miles away, you're not going to walk there. So to to rent a go get, you're going to need a lift. Yeah, pretty much have one one or two in every suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they're they're fairly accessible to get to. Um, a lot of people I know, somebody went to one. They got a, a train. I think it was around about three kilometres, four kilometres away. Right, and to get one. And so how does it work? So your app, you apply for a go-get car, you pay for it on the app so there's no cash, and then it gives you directions to the car. That's right, closest to you. How do you open the door and start it? I'm not too sure about that. Um, I couldn't tell you. I haven't done one myself. I, 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 just, no, I don't care, really. But I, I see go-get cars on my way to work and on my way home. I just wondered how it works. Anyone who's ever rented a go-get, can you give me a call and tell me how it works? Just to educate me, I like to learn things. What, what You're looking at me with a funny face. What? It's funny. Uber have a similar thing with their scooters and their bikes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. What they do is once you um, pay for it, it unlocks and it allows you to – so the wheels are – How does it unlock? So you scan the, the QR code. 
and then you you start your ride, and then the wheels unfreeze. Really? Yeah. And that's how Go Get works, or you're just assuming? Oh, this, this is just how the Th- that's how they do it. All right. Yeah. I don't care. I don't, but I, I saw I, I saw I see a number of Go Get cars, and I go, what's that about? Anyway, Ian Allison, gee, it's good to hear your voice. And tell me, the Taylor Swift Swifties that you picked up were they nice people? Yeah, very good people. Very yeah. nice people. It's amazing. Yeah, it's- one young guy was, uh, he had to walk about four kilometres away from the stadium before mm. I got to pick him up, you oh, know? Wow. He was a little bit annoyed with that, but he said there was just so many people coming out. There was no direction. There mm. was no uh, pick-up spot um, there. So he just kept on walking, and finally I got to pick him up, so get him home. So but, what, um, you track his phone, or how, how do you know where he is? No, 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 no. I, I just happened to be... Uh, I needed to get out of that heavy traffic in the city around the MCG there. So what I did is I, I shut off the app and I drove out about oh, two and a half k's, I suppose, away from the MCG. Then I switched back on to the app and then I got to uh, a direction to go and pick him up. All right. Well, I'm glad you're so, okay. You sound good, Ian. And well, uh, Tell me, Luke. Yes, anything. How long have you been going on your show now? On this network? Seven years. Jess used to know the exact date. I've forgotten it. It's December 15th, I think. 15th, yes. 15th of December last year was seven. So I'm into my eighth. Well, Seth, you're into eight. Yeah, yeah. I, I, came, I came here for six months. I remember you telling me when I first spoke to you when you started this show. Yeah. You said you didn't think you'd go to the end of the month. No, I didn't. I still don't. Right. But, but luckily for me, uh, management don't listen. Oh, yeah. So they don't yeah. know they don't know the rubbish that I I dribble on with. So I mean, the, <laughs> I fly I fly under the radar. Luke, I mean, if management listened, I, I'd be gone tomorrow. You've got the best show in Australia, mate. mate I love you, Ian. And I, every time oh, I go in my man cave, I see the the photo you sent me of you, the Mad Max car you helped build, the original from Mad Max One, and you've signed it for me. And I look at it every time I go in my man cave, mate. So I love you. Okay, Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Luke. You too, mate. See you, mate. You take care. Well, well, he's a lovely, lovely bloke. He's, he's a keeper, is he? And he's a lovely bloke, isn't he? One, tri- one triple three five. Go and have a Google Mad Max Black on Black Pursuit Special from Mad Max. Well, he, he helped make it. I've seen it. It looks fantastic. Oh, it is. That's unbelievable. By the way, Monday, Monday, December 12th was your first show. How do you know that? I just Googled it. Well, where is it? Uh, it's, uh, it was on mediaweek.com.au. Was it? Yeah. When? Oh, there was an announcement about when you went on to the Triple N Network. It's December 12th. Yeah. I, I said 15, so see, I was wrong. <laughs> okay. Anyway, there you are. One triple three five three is the telephone number. The quickie's coming up. Plenty of people online wanting to have their say. Don't you go away. Don't you go anywhere. This is... The quickies coming up in just a second. We know it's 80s. We know it's Australian. The brand new clue has been in our podcast all weekend. Uh, I'll give you another listen and I'll give you today's clue. The quickie, just a minute. Hey, listen, uh, we only have 10 of these. I only have 10 of these today. This is the Pestrol Executioner XXL Mozzie Zapper. It kills flies and mozzies. We've just heard that Ross River fever is back. And with the rain and the stagnant water, 
the mozzies are back big time. And you want to protect yourself. And if you're outside enjoying this last month of summer, you want to enjoy yourself and not be slapping yourself and getting bitten and uh, possibly getting terrible diseases. So look, this works over a 300 metre square coverage. This is the game changer. This is the big daddy of mozzie zappers. Now, my mate Andrew at Pestrol, when you order the Executioner XXL, he's throwing in the tennis racket zapper. It's, so it's basically a tennis racket, but the, the strings are electrified, charged up, and you can zap flies and mozzies. It's a lot of fun, and it works. You get one of those for free, but he's only got 10. So for the first 10 orders, you use the code BONA, B-O-N-A, and you'll get from Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L, Pestrol, the Executioner, double XL, and the Mozzie Zapper. Do not let flies and mozzies ruin your life. Grab the Executioner and enjoy the great outdoors. Money back guarantee comes with a warranty. Pestrol, P-E-S-T-R-O-L.com.au. Everything for your home and garden. Quick break, be back. The quickie's next. Okay, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, gather around your radio, sit up straight, eyes to the front. Here comes the quickie. Now, the quickie is an 80s song, and we know it's Australian. They're the two clues you got last week. The new clue is the song reached number six on the Australian charts. 80s, Australian reached number six. The quickie sounds like this. What a load of rubbish, Thomas. It sounds like a really sad trumpet that's just gone down with a, a snare hit. That's that's the quickie. One triple three five three is the telephone number. I need the name of the song. I need the name of the artist. Joe's online. G'day, Joe. G'day, Luke. How you doing? You can have a go at the quickie. No, I'm definitely not having a go at the quickie. I don't want to ridicule myself again. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Joe A.U. This is the mastermind behind Swift Grow, or as we're calling it today, Taylor Swift Grow, um, because, <laughs> because it's so big and so phenomenal. It is now called taylorswiftgrow.com.au. Um, and Joe, you are where? I am in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And you are... I don't know what you're allowed to tell me and what you're not. This could be dangerous because I know you've had to sign non-disclosure agreements because you're there on Swift Grow Business. Now, Saudi Arabia, is that where they're growing vegetables and fruit in sand with Swift Grow? No, that's the, the Emirates. Okay, the United that's the United Arab Emirates. Arab, uh, okay. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I knew it's it was a, a different country. I, well, I knew it was over there somewhere. What are you doing? It's in the region. It's in the region. Yes, it's in the region. Tell us what you're doing there. Tell, well, tell us what you're allowed to tell us. Okay, uh, I've just introduced uh, the, the surroundings or the room description around me. I've got a major general sitting next to my right and uh, his assistant to my left. And uh, they're both listening anxiously to what, I'll be, what I'm just about to say. So I'm a little bit nervous, as you could imagine. 
Well, you're, rain, you're, you're there, Luke. Yeah, I'm right here. So why are you there? I will uh, basically, as a proud Australian, we uh, the Major General uh, Yusuf Al Mansour invited us to uh, come here and bring our technology to see how we can uh, assist and achieve, uh, as you know, His Royal Highness uh, Prince Mohammed uh, bin Salman has a vision of greening the country. And uh, we got invited as a Swift Grow team to come here and see how we can assist. That's amazing. Because I know you were invited to Sri Lanka and they were concerned about their agriculture and fixing their soil and getting it back to nature and growing better tea and better bananas, for example. And you did that. And you've also done it with the United Arab Emirates where they're growing plants in sand and just using Swift Grow. So Saudi Arabia wants to green up and they're gonna they want your advice on how to do it. That's correct. How you exciting. How exciting. It is. It is, it is. Very proud to be to be here as well. Well I, I very guess, hospitable hospitable people. Well, why didn't you organize me a trip? Uh perhaps Next, next uh, trip, which is uh, very short, so very soon. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go. But on. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I, I came here without a jacket, and last week it was two degrees. Oh, really? Two degrees? It was. And uh, tonight it's 19, and it's dropping in two hours to nine. Nine degrees. And, and, and you've had a look around? You've, you've been a tourist as well? Yes. I've uh, been treated very well, and uh, in between uh, eating, we have some meetings. You have meetings. That's very good. And what's the food like? Uh, amazing. I can't describe it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's really an experience. Like what? What have you got? Don't know about the traffic, though. The traffic's bad? Uh, very bad. And tell, have- tell me, is alcohol banned? Yeah. Yeah, yes. So it's a dry country. You, you can't. No alcohol. No alcohol. Okay. No, we can't. No alcohol. And tell me, um, com- with the Australian dollar where it is, is is a good value for going there on a holiday uh, using Australian dollars? What's the exchange rate? Right, that's what I should have asked. It's it's great value. The food is uh, outstanding, and it's cheap. So I'll definitely recommend it. Yes. Okay, but it's no alcohol. People so, are very hospitable. Yeah. Well, no, I, look, it sounds fantastic. No alcohol. I don't know if you'll see me or Barnaby Joyce there, but look, it sounds fantastic. Uh, it, it is actually it is, and uh, I was saying, look, the people are very hospitable, and they all speak English, unlike other countries I've been to. Is that right? Is English a second language? Yes and uh, you have no problem communicating with anyone. Every person speaks English. Oh, that's fantastic. Listen, I'll give your love to your family. And, um, Joe, we're doing everything we can back here to keep the wheels turning. Um, We're very proud of you. You've been invited by the Saudi Arabian government to help them with their agriculture and to and and Swift Grow is playing a major part in this. Well, that's why you're there. Very proud of you. I'll talk to you again soon.
Thank you very much, Luke, and uh, good morning. See you, but what time is it there? It is 24 past 7. A.M.? Evening. Evening. Evening, evening. evening. okay. All right. Well, you're uh, eight hours ahead of us. Oh, I got you. Oh. Okay, buddy. Talk soon. Thank you, Luke. Thank you. See you, mate. Bye-bye. There he is. Joe Ayub. There you are. I mean, it's how proud are we? Swiftgrow.com.au. He's being asked by a number of countries, and that's Saudi Arabia. They say they want to green up Saudi Arabia. They want to grow things. And they've invited Joe as the owner and founder and inventor of SwiftGrow to go over there and help them out, and that's what he's doing. Swiftgrow.com.au. You can have this in your lawn, in your garden, in your pot plants. You've got to try it. Swiftgrow.com.au. One triple three five three. Here's the quickie. It's Australian, it's 80s, and it reached number six on the Australian charts. Somewhere in the 80s. You've got 10 years to play with. One triple three five three. One more time. Good luck. Patel is online. G'day, Patel. Hey, good day, mate. How are you? I'm very well. Welcome to the night shift. What are we talking about? Yeah, long-time listener, first-time caller. Hey, well, welcome aboard. Why has it taken you so long? Yeah, not a problem. All right, Patel. Oh, you are saying me why it's... Uh, no, I'm just... I wanted to call you about uh, Uber, and uh, I was doing Uber before, that's why. You were concerned about the customers and uh, how they are complaining about each other, how can do it and all stuff. But uh, something comes up and I didn't call you. So today you were talking about that uh, arranged marriage. And all arranged that. marriages. Now, I discovered this when I went on a tour of India. And it fascinated me because I, I thoroughly enjoy other countries' uh, customs and, um, and cultures. And when we went, I think it was Delhi, and our tour guide showed us the Saturday paper. It was a huge broadsheet, and it was filled with ads, uh, people looking for husbands and wives. And the ads... We're fascinating, you know, um, uh, wanted a 23-year-old, university-educated, fair-skinned, yeah, um, and they would arrange to meet the parents of the young man and they would have a 2 o'clock setting and a 3 o'clock sitting and a 4 o'clock, and people would come around and they'd be interviewed with the view to marriage. It was fascinating. Yep. So the thing is... Uh I am in the process at the moment to get married. I am 32 years old. Are you going through the process of an arranged marriage? Yeah. So the thing is, like, uh, right now I am here. So if I have to, I can't contact anyone else. So we have to make the uh, make the bio data, like uh, we can call it resume. So resume, is, uh, yeah. Yep, it is about our information, like how... Okay, now, who's looking? Are you, are you, whereabouts in India are you from? Uh, I am from Gujarat. Where's that? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, just under the Delhi. It's, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, right. And you're living in Australia now. Whereabouts are you living? Uh, I'm living in Sydney at the moment. Okay, and are you here? Why are you in Australia? So I, stud- I was here for the study. Yes, you were at university, were you? Yep. And what were you studying? 
Uh, I already finished. I studied the Master of Mechanical Engineering Ma, in mechanical the University engineering. of Wollongong. Okay. Yep. Well, you, so you're a very, very clever person. Now, yep. Patel, your family's back in India, and they're arranging this marriage for you. Uh, yeah. My parents are uh, uh, doing the whole process, and I am including as well. Like, Are you nervous that the person they choose you may not like, for example, the look of? Uh, do, you, yeah. do, do you get, do you actually, if they arrange a woman for you to marry, are you allowed to say no? Uh, yes, obviously. Okay. So it is not like uh, that, like uh, if they're going to, they are going to choose for me, but they have the points, like they are going to talk with me. They are going to give me some points, like uh, the girl is doing this. And she belongs to this family and all stuff. That's it. She must belong to the right family because there's a caste system, correct? Uh, yep, exactly. Explain for my listeners the Indian caste system. So uh, I, I don't know the history of the caste system, but uh, I, I, I am going to explain like why we are doing uh, caste, inter-caste marriage, why we can't do intercaste marriage and only intercaste. You can only marry someone in your caste or above. Uh, you can't marry below your caste. That's what I was taught. Is that correct? Uh, not a hundred percent, but like almost sixty to seventy percent. You can say that. Okay. Okay. Thank you. So yeah, it's uh, uh, belongs to the culture and all stuff. Like uh, we 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 want to do something stuff in particular way. So if they are belong to my caste and culture, so they all, they know like how we cook yeah. and how. We What's cook. your caste? My caste is Patel. The what? So my Patel, P A T E L. Or by religion Hindu, but the sub caste is the Patel. And where is that in the order of things? Uh, you can say the above. The one thing I learned was that if you know somebody's family name and their caste, you know the whole family history. You can work if if you're in the know. You can you you can know everything about your family with your family name and your caste. Uh, not so exactly, but because we don't have that much data on the internet, so not all of all of all of things we can know. But uh, some of them, obviously, yeah. Okay, and tell me, what sort of woman are your parents looking for? What what are what are the specifications? So my my parents are uh, really open for me. Like uh, I, they give me me to choose uh, whatever I want. I can uh, get married to Aussie woman as well. So they don't uh, are particular. Oh, so you are, so your parents don't mind if you marry an Aussie woman? Does she have to be Indian? Uh, not no. Nah. No. Okay. Yeah. White, white girl also allow... So uh, your parents would approve of that? Uh, yep. Okay. Tell us about the dowry system, because it can be very expensive for some for some families to marry. Uh, yep, exactly. But uh, it's a very old person, and where I am from, there is no dowry system at all. Okay. Because the one thing that intrigued me about India, the one thing that actually slapped me fair in the face is I've never seen so much abject poverty right next door to so much wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so there are a huge difference in that. I, I agree with I you. I love the beautiful clothes that the women wear, the, the colourful robes. It's very, very good. Um, I love it. Yeah. We went to, we stopped at a hotel where they were preparing for an Indian wedding. 
1,200 guests. Yep. And the bride and her sisters and female family had already moved into this this suite in the hotel. And there was a week of preparation. And then the groom and his family would come. And then there was more preparation. They had this massive stage set up in this oval with sound systems. I got, they had Bollywood, they had hired Bollywood dancers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, there was, there were two Bollywood movie stars that were, they'd hired to be a guest appearance at this wedding. And part of the dowry were, was a brand new Mercedes Benz and a holiday in Sweden. Oh, Okay. Oh, it, it, was, it was unbelievable money, unbelievable yep. money. Then we saw a wedding in a, in a tiny little impoverished village and there was a lovely young girl in her robes and she was sitting side saddle on a horse and she had money pinned to her as they were going to the reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, yeah, so just that's how one, that's, one, yeah. one so, right next to the other. It was amazing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, the marriages takes uh, long to do in India, like almost uh, full of week or some of the three days almost. Yeah, arranged marriages yeah. and the caste and, system. And it works. The arranged yeah. marriages last. Yeah, so the thing is, uh, the positive side of that is like uh, I am, uh, uh, my I have like 26 cousins and uh, hmm. I am the like younger one. <laughs> so I am only left uh, in, uh, I am not married, other one else already married. So no one is divorced once in my family. Yeah. So. All right. Well, look, Patel, I've got to go. It's been lo- lovely to meet you. Good luck with the wedding. All right. Thank you. I hope you meet the woman that you're meant to meet and that you have lots of lovely children and that lasts for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patel. Thank you, Luke. Take care. Thank you. It's another another culture, and and some people are quick to judge. I'm not. I appreciate other cultures, so long as it's consenting adults. Um, But yeah, it's a fascinating place to go to India if you can go have. And the thing that really hit me, Thomas, was so much unbelievable poverty, right next to unbelievable wealth. I mean, we're talking about a village where three three or four families will share a flat. And they'll rotate the bedrooms. So some members of the family will be down on the street selling. And when their shift is over, they go up and people upstairs come down and keep the selling, the markets going. They might be selling turmeric or herbs or whatever. And you'll have two or three families living in a two bedroom. And then just from here to across the street, a huge mansion. It's unbelievable wealth and unbelievable poverty. The other thing that slaps you in the face is there's no doubt at all that cricket is their national pastime, their national sport. No matter where you go, you'll see kids playing cricket, even if it's with a broomstick and a rock or a flat tennis ball. Wherever there's a little bit of space, you'll see kids playing cricket. It's unbelievable. Anyway, one triple three five three. I've got to take a break, haven't I? Uh, we'll come back. I'll give you another listen to the quickie. Here it is. 80s, Australian, reached number six on the charts. What's the quickie? Name an artist, please. Andy, good day. Good morning, Luke. How you going? Good. Where are you? Mike in Melbourne. It's Andy the pilot. Ah, Andy. So tell me, what's Melbourne been like during the Tay-Tay phenomenon? 
I stayed well away from it, yes. mate. Yes. Yeah, I I heard it was busy everywhere, but yeah, they had big booze bus set up on the Monash Freeway outbound the last couple of nights, so yeah. getting everyone off of So yeah. So yeah, but as I said, I stayed well away from it. It's not my scene. Not my tight style no, of music. No, me, me neither. Does nothing for me. But yeah. but but it, do, it doesn't stop me being very impressed with what she's achieved, and it appears to me that she's achieved it mostly off her own metal, and the way she outsmarted that record company that ripped her off in the first place, and the fact that she's re-recording all those songs and so people have to buy them again via the new label. I, I think that that was that was great. Um, but the style of music, it, it's its just not my go. No, no, that's it. Everyone's got their own type of music and, yeah. Do you reckon they should be as big as the Beatles in 40 years? For her generation of people, uh, of listeners, I guess, yes. I don't know because her generation of listeners also were in love with Justin Bieber and he's gone cold now. And remember, there was Britney Spears was huge and now no one gives a shit. So what do you do? Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. What do you do? You can't please everyone? No. Nah. Is she as big as Elvis is my question this morning. Is Taylor Swift as big as Elvis? Are you talking size-wise or popular-wise? Uh, popular, mate. Don't be smart. <laughs> um, I, well, as I said, it comes down to her generation of listeners. So mm. there's plenty of young, younger generation, so she could be as popular as Elvis. She has been in movies. I saw a movie the other day, quite by accident, and she had a small part in it. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she does more movies because she's guaranteed box office success, isn't she? I, I, I guess so. See, a lot of that stuff I, I'm not aware of, so I can't sort of... I no. can make a comment, but yeah. But obviously, she's big enough to pull nearly 90,000 people at the MCG. No more. 96, I think it was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I know, I know. I, I don't get it, but I wish her all the best. I don't wish her any ill. It's just not my style of music. Um, so, Andy, why are you ringing me, brother? Uh, the quickie, mate. Oh, good. Knock it over. Um, big, big, hungry town. Well, that's a really good guess, and now I listen to it. You're 100% spot on with your guess. It sounds just like it, but no. No. Th- gee, that's a good guess. I'd forgotten about them, but that's what it sounds like. Hungry no, town. No, no, no on Thursday, Thursday or Friday morning, Thursday night, and I was too late, but I heard it, and I thought, it does just that trumpet part of hum- Hungry Town. It does. <laughs> it does. Yeah. yeah, so there's, yeah, there was another idea I had, but I'll have to ring back later on that one, and I've forgotten what it was now. Well, I mean, you can't tell me if you've forgotten what it was. Yeah, I know, true that. So where, uh, are, you, where are you off to now? I am just driving home for a few hours, go home and have some sleep, and then I've got another job tomorrow morning. Where are you driving to? Packing Okay. Well, listen, you take care, Andy. I will work you too, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Um, big Pig Hungry Town. So that's the quickie, and he's thinking this. Wait. There, that bit. It sounds just like it. That's what I said. That's a really good guess. I'll go. So here's the quickie. Wait, 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 wait. Now. Yeah, I hear it. It was a very good guess. It could almost be that. But it's not. One triple three. Stop it. One triple three five three is the telephone number. This is the night shift around Australia on the Triple M network. Oh, it could have been that.
It could be anything. Well, it's not. The knack is not Australian. The night shift on the Triple M network and independent stations everywhere on a Monday. Um, Dr. Keith Souter joining us shortly. Boy, oh boy, there's a lot to talk about. A hell of a lot to talk about. Donald Trump is in all sorts of trouble. When isn't he? And yet he's like the Teflon man. He seems to just, just seems to slide off him. I mean, at this point, even though he has been found guilty of fraud and he's got, been ordered, this is a civil case, so he can't go to jail, but he's been ordered to pay $350 million. Donald Trump is still saying he committed no crime because he paid the money back. It's a victimless crime. So he over, he over, not estimated, but he, he, he oversold the size of his wealth in order to get better bank loans and better interest. He exaggerated the worth of his fortune, which is really not a fortune. He hasn't got anywhere near as much money as people think. Um, the casinos he had in Atlantic City broke. I mean, not many casinos go broke. You look at the size of them in Vegas. Uh, they're pretty successful. Casinos are pretty successful. Nah, he um, he sent his casinos broke and then misled the banks by over-exaggerating the size of his wealth, even the square footage of the rooms in his hotels. Now, surely the banks are to blame for this as well. I mean, if you're going to lend Donald Trump billions of dollars on his estimation of his wealth, wouldn't you check it out yourself? Wouldn't you at least send somebody from the bank into one of his hotel rooms with a tape measure? <laughs> I'm serious. So I think the banks have a lot to answer for and all of this as well. But anyway, he's committed fraud, but he says, oh, it's a victimless crime because I paid the money back. So that's like me going to the Commonwealth Bank in DY and robbing it, armed robbery, um, and then paying the money back over a period of years and saying, well, no crime was committed. I paid the money back. The robbery didn't happen. <laughs> this is the logic associated with this bloke. Anyway, on a, um, on a far more sinister note, Alexei Navalny, who was Vladimir Putin's most fiercest critic, um, was arrested for his trouble and put into a dreadful, dreadful jail in Siberia, has suddenly died. He was 47. There was video of him the morning that he died. He looked very fit. He looked healthy. He looked happy. That afternoon, he's dead. The official cause of death, sudden death syndrome. And even Australia's Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has said it is Vladimir Putin's work. I mean, if you speak up against Vladimir Putin, you die. You don't last very long. This guy, Navalny, was poisoned. He f nearly died on a plane trip and the pilot diverted and landed in Germany. And he was saved in a German hospital, which is, he should have stayed overseas. But because he believed in his cause and exposing Putin for the thug and the bully and the liar that he is, he went back to Russia. Not a good move. He was arrested and put in jail. Now, and you'll hear this this morning and you'll see it on your, on your news services, people in Russia who are mourning Navalny's death are being arrested for laying flowers at memorials. They're being arrested. Thank God we don't live in Russia, eh? One triple three five three. Jeremy, hello. 
Yeah, good morning, Luke. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Jeremy. What's up? Hey, I was just driving home from work, and I was hearing about the, the chap that's uh, married to the Filipino lady. Well, it, it all started, there was an article I saw online on the ABC yesterday, and they're talking about a couple, an interracial couple, and the prejudice that they're suffering from not just the public and their friends, but their families. And I thought that in this day and age, we were over that sort of thing. But interracial relationships, I know a lot of a lot of people are in an interracial relationship. And I just wanted to know what prejudices you've come across. What about you? Okay, well, I'm married to a Vietnamese lady. Yes. All right. Uh, my lady and our son. He's not my legitimate son, but he calls me Ba, which is father. Um, so he was your he was your wife's son. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so we might say stepson. Yes. 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 But um, now, 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 can I just say, in Aboriginal culture, the word "step" is a swear word. You're either someone's son or you're not. You with me? That's right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's no halves and no steps. That that's what I've been taught by my elders. Anyway. Yes, I have Noongar friends from WA, and like I'm in Melbourne, but mm. we used to live in WA, and mm. they used to tell me that sort of stuff as well. Mm. Now, I often refer to Nikki's kids as my stepdaughters, only because it makes it easier for my listeners to understand. But but I but anyway, you you get what I'm doing. Yes, exactly. Mm. You you love them wholeheartedly, and you're cool there. Yep. So, yeah, my wife and son they they live in Vietnam. I live here in Australia. We're going through the immigration process to get them here. Yeah. Okay. So I can't, I can't understand Vietnamese. I don't know the language except for very little words that my wife teaches me. Good on her. We. Wait, how, how did you, how did you meet? Funny story, Luke. Okay, I go to a Vietnamese restaurant every Friday night in Springvale, southeast of Melbourne. Yes. And I've been going there for quite a while. I met the chef after the first time I went there because the food was that good. Yeah. I wanted to compliment him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah going there for a few years, and I pulled him up. I said, hey, Michael, when are you going to introduce me to a hot Vietnamese girl? You know I only get two meals. You know I'm single. When are you going to introduce me to a hot Vietnamese girl? He can't say Jeremy. He calls me Jemmy. Jemmy, you wait. So I waited and waited and waited. A couple of weeks later, he goes, I introduced her to my wife. She will help you. She talked better English than me. Yeah. So I met his wife. Yeah. We were talking. He asked me what I was looking for, what I'm not looking for. Um, yeah, just Facebook details, all that sort of stuff, some photos. Everything. And why did you want to specifically meet a Vietnamese girl? Um, well, I love their culture. Yeah. I, I love I love their um, the female outfit, the alie that the the ladies wear. The, the long over the over, you just like the you, you like the look of them you like the culture and you're attracted to Vietnamese I, to each their own I, I I get you so you met her well if this is this is part of the funny story so she introduced me to a lady sent me a photo and all that sort of stuff and I was going holy damn okay so we started talking me and this lady her name is Quinn H U Y E N so all of a sudden, we're talking for 684 days, Luke. <laughs> FaceTime, messages. So you, you, she could understand you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So her English is good? 
Um, I teach her a lot of English. She only learnt um, English in year 10 of school over there. Yeah, but if you're talking for 680 days, she obviously could speak something. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. So I would just have to talk a little bit slower. So she was in Vietnam. Yes, yeah. yes, that's correct. So all of a sudden, 684 days go by. I get on a plane with her sister and her niece and fly over to Vietnam to meet her. And how'd that go? Obviously very well. Very well. We got engaged. Did she meet you at the airport? Yes, with, the, with about uh, 15 family members, <laughs> including mum and the son. Yeah. Well, and everyone, I tell you, everyone just embraced me. Like, I was getting hugs, I was getting handshakes, I was getting... Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. And everyone is like five foot and. Yeah, I've been I've been to Vietnam. I love it. I want to go back. Whereabouts in Vietnam is she? Uh, she's in a town called Coochie. Where's so that? About. Uh, it's... Oh, I know. Is, is that where the Coochie tunnels are? Yes, it is. I've been but... there. Oh, I, they're fabulous. I have they're been fabulous. there. I have been there. The yes. Coochie tunnels originally made by the French. Oh, for, right. the, for the for the um, Viet Cong when the French were occupying that part of Vietnam. You should see this, folks. You should see that. You go to Vietnam, go see the Coochie Tunnels. It's a labyrinth of underground tunnels where whole villages and people lived to escape oppression, originally the French, but then, of course, the Viet Cong hid there during the Vietnam War um, when the Americans were fighting. And you've got to see them. It's, it's underground cities in, in tunnels with kitchens and schools and everything. I, I've actually been through one of the tunnels. Yes, 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 yes. And they were booby-trapped. And so if, if American soldiers went down there to search them, they could flood them and lock them off and drown people. The VC, God, and their booby traps, unbelievable. But anyway, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so I know exactly where you are now, yes? Okay, so when you went to the tunnels, you would have stopped off at a sugarcane drink place. Every tour stops. There. Yes, yes. My wife works there. Oh no way! Yes, we did stop so, at a sugarcane drink place. Hey, listen, I've got to keep going. This is a lovely story. I wish you all the best. I hope you get through immigration. But Luke, quickly, I have found racism in Vietnam and in Australia. Yeah. In Australia, when I'm walking with her sisters, mm. right, and Vietnam, I can't understand it. But people give us snide looks and mm. you know they yabby yabby yabby, and all of a sudden. Yeah, my wife will tell me what they've said. Mm. So, but all my friends, I don't have any family, but all my friends in here in Australia and all her family have all embraced us. We are now married. We um, Our first anniversary is in August this year. But friends and family over there and my friends here, everyone is so, so happy. I, I wish you all the best. Good luck. Thank you very much, Luke. You have a good morning. Lovely to meet you. Thank you so much. Okay, bye now. Bye-bye. Yeah, I know exactly where she is, Coochie. I want to go back to Vietnam. I wouldn't mind taking a tour. We should take a tour. We should talk to Wendy Wu or someone. We should take a tour to Vietnam. But if you're going to go to Vietnam, you may as well go to Cambodia as well because it's just down the bottom there. And I wouldn't go to Phnom Penh. Uh, I would go to Siem Reap. Siem Reap is, if you're going to go to Cambodia, that's where you should go. And Because Siem Reap is where Angkor Wat is. Google Angkor Wat. Thomas, it's uh, this, these huge temples that were covered up by jungle for 800 years and they thought that they were lost. Anyway, they uncovered them and you should see it. 
It is unbelievable. Have you got it in front of you? What are you looking at? Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of them now. I have seen them before. They look amazing. Oh. oh. And so if you go to see them reap, then they have Pub Road with all these fantastic restaurants and pubs. And uh, then you just go up to in, go up into Vietnam and off you go. Go to Saigon and go up into Coochie. But, uh, yeah, we should go to Vietnam. We should go to Cambodia. Absolutely. Oh, what an experience. 13353 is the telephone number. Uh, Dave's online. Good day, Dave. Yeah, mate. Hey. How you going? Good. Yeah, look, I'm just talking about the cookie. Oh, knock it over. I'm sick of it. Here it is now. This, this has been going since Friday. What is it? Is it um, in excess what you need? No, it's a good guess. No, all right. Sorry, Davey boy. We'll get there. Pat, what's the quickie? Yeah, hey, Luke, how you going? Good. I'm going to change my guess. I was going to say in excess the same one. Now it's going to be beds are burning, midnight oil. What makes you say that? Because it was number six in 1987. But there were lots of songs that were uh, number six somewhere in the um, in the it 80s. It peaked at number six in the 87. Hey? It, sounds like, it peaked at number six at uh, 87 and it sounds exactly like it. Ah, you genie! <laughs> Awesome. Wow. Congratulations. You've nailed it. You've nailed it. Only five more to go and I beat Jeff. <laughs> so how many have you won? I the first one. That's your first. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That pain in the ass is one six. Yeah. Pat, congratulations. Well done. It's beds are burning. Here it is again, folks. And it's, that leads into this. Stay there, Pat. You've won a Triple M T-shirt. Thomas will look Thanks, after Mark. you. Can you introduce your song for us? All right, you're listening to Beds of Burning by uh, Midnight Oil, and you're listening to Triple M. A sad intrusion from Van Halen there. Where the river broke. The bloodwood and the desert oak Holding wrecks and boiling diesels Steam at 45 degrees The time has come To save this fair To pay the rent To pay our share
There it is. That was today's quickie. So a new quickie coming up for tomorrow. If we have time, we'll put the quickie on our podcast for you to contemplate over the next 24 hours. Here it is. That's how it sounded. There it is. Another quickie up the stick. Well done. Brand new one coming up tomorrow. Hey, if you want to feel absolutely the best you can feel, try your power pollen. You've heard me talk about it. You've heard people ring me back and say how good it is, how it's changed their lives, and it'll change your life too. Powerpollen.com.au. Did you know Weight for Weight Pollen has more calcium than milk? It has more protein than red meat and even more iron than spinach. It is absolutely true. And you couldn't say that because there are TGA rules in place. You can't make false claims on these things. And that has been proven. It has been absolutely proven. It works. It gives you more energy. It will boost your immune system. It even gives you a better night's sleep. Nature Bees Power Pollen. And if you give it a go today, you get a week for free. Give it a go. $29.95 plus delivery. And you have a full week's free supply. And stocks are limited. So hurry up. 1-800-147-009. But just go to powerpollen.com.au. And if you've got little kids... You just break the capsule apart, sprinkle it on their cereal or in their um, in their juice or whatever, and um, they can get their pollen that way. Powerpollen.com.au. Quick break, be back. 
Time to talk foreign affairs. My God, isn't there a lot to talk about this morning with Dr. Keith Souter? You'll see him on Channel 7 Sunrise this morning because, well, first of all, there's Donald Trump, who is still by way above and beyond the front runner to win the presidential election come November. Um, there's no Republican that comes anywhere close to his popularity. And the Democrats are hoping, like anything, that Joe Biden survives and can keep going both physically and mentally because his two IC, Kamala Harris, is on the nose, not just with the electorate in general, but with the Democrats. It's a really sad state of affairs, in my opinion, that you have such poor choices with an election coming up to vote for the the new leader of the free world and the commander-in-chief of the... um, of the American military. It's, uh, I, 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 it, I think it's scary. I think it's sad and I think it's a bit scary. But anyway, you've all heard by now that Donald Trump has been hit where it most hurts in the New York fraud ruling. I mean, for decades, Donald Trump has marketed himself as a financial genius, a business mogul who made it big in one of the world's most cutthroat cities. That image is gone. That image is gone now. Uh, He has been found guilty of fraud. The judge ruling in this civil case, so there's no jail term, it's, it's a civil case. He related to the inflation of property values and lying on financial statements to obtain better loans and better interest. It's undermined Trump's entire narrative. But there are still those who will support Trump saying this has all been brought about by his political opponents. Donald Trump seems to have justified his lying by saying, well, there's a, it's a victimless crime, that he's paid the money back, the bank got their money back, so what's everyone screaming about? Well, he got a better deal from the banks by lying. And there were other investors who also suffered, and we'll explain this in just a sec. But to most people, who cares what Donald Trump does? He is successful. Well, is he? That Trump Tower that you see so proudly on your TV screens every time he's anywhere to be seen, he doesn't own it. It was it was Strata sold off. He gets the rent from the shops. He's going to struggle to get $350 million together to pay this fine. And, of course, it'll go into escrow because he'll appeal it. And while he's appealing it, the money won't be paid. But it'll have to be sitting there. It's like a bond. And then we talk about what some people say was a Russian hero, Alexei Navalny. He is a Russian lawyer, 47 years of age, who was trying to expose the strongman of Russian politics, Vladimir Putin, as a liar, an authoritarian, a ruthless dictator, a bully and a murderer. And it would appear that if you criticise Vladimir Putin, you tend to disappear. Or have your plane shot down, or get poisoned, or get sent off to a Siberian prison, and the body has now disappeared. This is the latest part of it. They don't know where Navalny's body is. His mother wants his body. There's no body. His mother's been unable to recover the body after his death in that Arctic jail. And you've got, and you'll see the pictures on your television screens today, folks. You'll see pictures of people delivering flowers to memorials 
in respect to Alexei Navalny, and they're getting arrested. You get arrested in Russia if you put a flower on a memorial of this bloke. Thank God we live in Australia, hey? To try and shed some more light on all of this and explain it much better than I can, our expert on international affairs, Dr. Keith Souter joins us now. Doctor, good morning to you. It is time to look at sport on this Monday, February 19, and Bishop is with me, Michelle Bishop, the best of the business. She has had a big weekend. I saw you on Channel, I saw you on channel 7 all weekend. You didn't get much rest. <laughs> busy, busy, busy. Uh, and obviously what keeps me going, Luke, and you yourself, it's no secret now. It's the PowerPoint. It is the PowerPoint. Uh, golden capsules every day. I put you onto it. I said, B- I said, Bish, get this into you. <laughs> and, and you said... <laughs> You said, give it to me, baby. And and two golden capsules every day. Your man, Justin, is he on it as well? Yep, the whole family now. The whole family. It's Powerpollen.com.au. Try it. You get a week for free. You just go on now. Powerpollen.com.au and see the week free um, offer, which won't last long. Okay, let's go to rugby league because Vegas is coming up and everyone's talking about it. But... We had the first weekend of the trials in the NRL, and there's already been a send-off. Yeah, look, this is awful. Uh, new Roosters recruit Dom Young. He's a star winger, come from Newcastle, uh, as you say, now playing with the Chooks. Uh, he won't be on the plane going to Vegas. He's out. In fact, he could be in hospital. Uh, at the moment, they're uh, working out whether he does need surgery or not, and this was awful to watch. Unintentional, they say, but just just not not. Rugby league. It was horrible. What happened? Crushed tackle at the weekend. Um, they were playing Manly at Gosford, uh, and look it, with the tackle of the Manly player now, um, Sipley, who's been charged with a Grade Two crusher tackle. He's facing a three-week stint on the sideline, but a real blow for the Roosters because, as I say, he's a young gun, uh, and you know it was his first chance to shine. Now the problem with this is he was sent to hospital just for precautionary reasons up in Gosford. Uh, they played there on the central coast of New South Wales. Uh, sort of given the all clear, yep, go home, you'll be right. And we thought, yep, it's okay. But unfortunately, felt some uh, pain and stuff across the weekend, had scans yesterday, and it now looks like he's got ligament damage in the neck and he may require surgery. The Roosters are going to monitor that, but there is no go to, to Las Vegas. Just it's, explain for our listeners who don't follow rugby league what a crusher tackle is. Yeah, well, it's, it's um, putting extra pressure on, on the back of the neck, basically, in a tackle uh, to keep the player down. But obviously, it's extremely dangerous. Uh, and it's been stamped out now. Well, they've been trying to stamp it out for the last three or four years. Um, and as I say, Sipley uh, is facing a three-match suspension as a result of that extra pressure applying that to keep him down on his neck. All right. That's a very, very sad start. And this happens from time to time. Serious, oh, in, serious injuries in the lead-up to the competition and the trial matches. Are they worth it? Oh, absolutely they are because, you know, you've got to get Ks in the legs because the match fitness, you can do all the pre-season you like, but uh, it's different to match fitness. And obviously combinations are huge. Uh, you look at the Canberra Raiders at the moment, lo- losing Jack White and such a star figure there. Uh, Ricky Stewart's got to work out who's going to play in that number six. So that's what trial match is all about. Who'd be a coach? I wouldn't be. But anyway, there's plenty sticking their hand up to do that. Uh, a lot of people say, are these trial matches really, really worth it when you consider the... Um the serious injuries players can have. But that's rugby league. That is rugby league. Tell me about the hotline, the NRL hotline. Bit of a breakthrough, this one. The NRL and, more importantly, uh, the RLPA, the Rugby League Players Association, they're on board. They're working on a confidential welfare hotline, and that's to support and protect players' health. 
uh, across all 17 clubs. Now, this will allow, this is awesome. I'm I'm big on this. It'll allow players, coaches and officials to effectively act as whistleblowers. Uh, You know, so we see things like what we've seen in the past, uh, the peptide scandal uh, at at the Cronulla Sharks. If someone in the club is feeling uncomfortable and thinking, yeah, this doesn't look right, it doesn't, um, I'm I'm not comfortable with this, uh, you know, they can confidentially call this hotline and it'll be investigated by an independent panel. Um, you know, we've needed something like this in the game for a long, long time. We've seen the death of Manly's uh, Keith Titmus from exhaustion. You know, maybe if someone was a bit uncomfortable with what was going there, a phone call, not that, it, you know, we've got to be very careful in saying that would have changed things. But moving forward, uh, I guess it's, it's just to allow a safe space um, and players don't have to fear, players or coaches don't have to fear retribution. Look, I think it's awesome. I think it's uh, a step in the right direction. I feel like it needs to be across all codes. I feel like that independent uh, panel, it would be better served being across all codes because, you know, you still worry about a little bit of bias if some someone rings his hotline and, you know, there might be something going on at a club. But I just think it's a huge step in the right direction because players, coaches and officials, they obviously deserve that safe space when it comes to the workplace. All right, let's move on. Tell us about the Aussie UFC champ, the boy from the gong. Alexander Volkanovsky, such a fan, uh, whether you're into UFC or not. Um, he's got a big uh, supporter base. Uh, his reign as UFC featherweight champ is over. Um, as you say, the man from the gong was knocked out at UFC 298. Um, Tapuria is the new champ. Now, um, a pinpoint right hand to the jaw in the second round forced Volkanovski straight to the canvas and it was lights out. Now, it's, it's the Aussie's second loss in a row. Uh, there was some concern that he probably would uh, hang up the boots, if you like, so to speak. But no, he wants more. He's um he's now saying no. I want a rematch. Uh, this is not me. This is not the end of me. And of course, at the end, for those purists who watched it yesterday, I guess what was pretty exciting was his uh, opposition, uh, the now the UFC featherweight champion, Takira, called out Conor McGregor during his post-match fight. I'll give you the quick quote. A uh, quote: um, Conor McGregor, if you still have some balls, <laughs> I'll be waiting for you in Spain. Mm. So there you go. But wait, there is more. As I said. Uh, and it's not a bunch of knives from Demtel. It's Volkanovski, as you, I said, he's calling for a rematch. We're talking sport with Bisho. Um, thanks to Nature B, Power Paul and Michelle Bishop. Um, Bish, tell us about the bunch of stiffs. And I don't know another word. So you give me another word if you want. Morons? <laughs> a bunch Losers? of stiffs who have forced the Olympic equestrian champ, Shane Rose, to stand down over a Borat costume at a fancy dress event. I'm not kidding. Pretty sad What's the story? Now at risk of not competing at the Olympics in Paris. It is unbelievable. As a show jumping event in the Southern Highlands in New South Wales, uh, he decided to dress up. Well, they all did. There was a big dress-up weekend. He had three separate outfits. He dressed up as a, a bear or something in one of them. But what didn't go down well, and we're not talking a whole lot of people here. It could have possibly, they won't admit this, but one single complaint could have triggered this but it has to be investigated um for dressing up in a borat costume as you say he was wearing a fluorescent orange mankini and a helmet and boots uh look it was supposed to be funny uh and obviously the joke didn't go down well with someone and when you've got people like three-time olympic uh, champion vicky roycroft saying if anything she thought it was funny and the sport needs a bit of humor you know someone's got this wrong. He's taken the social media. He's apologised. He didn't mean to offend anyone. Um, look, he's got three horses that are qualified for the Olympics. Uh, it's it's big time, big stuff. 
But uh, the equestrian, Australian Equestri Equestrian Committee is uh, now looking into it, going to review the situation and decide, you know, where to from here. Um, he's, as I say, he's been stood down in the process. It's pathetic. I vote. I don't know about our listeners. I reckon not only should he go to Paris, he should be wearing a green and gold mankini just to rub it in. What a bunch of... What you got to fool? Get a life. What's going on? Is it there's there's the more so bad. there's more important things to worry about. I I do worry. Sometimes I think I just stop the world and let me off. It's only a matter, it's only a matter of time until I find myself in serious trouble because my filter. The older I get, the 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 thinner my filter's becoming. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. And can you do it all for me in a mankini when you hop off? No, that, that shan't be <laughs> happening. <laughs> Melbourne midfielder Clayton Oliver has made some a, a good comeback. Yeah, look, everyone was waiting uh, to see how he played, but uh, he's overcome an injury scare as well, uh, an, an impressive return to the field in Melbourne's match uh, against Richmond on Sunday. So, you know, he's had some a few dramas last year uh, and, and obviously people waiting to see how he'd, uh, you know, get it all together, but very, very exciting for, for Melbourne fans. He'll be uh, right and ready to play when the season proper kicks off. Not too far away. It's all happening, Luke. It is all happening. you got some Jason Day golf news for me quickly. Yeah, well, Jason Day, that was an unbelievable uh, uh, match in the Genesis uh, Invitational. Uh, really exciting stuff uh, in in terms of the, the finish there. He was, well, was very, very nerve-wracking. I know I was, uh, I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, he he's, remains firmly in the hunt at the $20 million event. Uh, it was a clutch eagle on the 17th, 17th hole to save his third round. Uh, as I said, he remains just four strokes off the lead. Uh, Patrick Cantley is the leader. There, right. you there you go. Hey, listen, the, the Bathurst 12-hour, I was watching bits of it as I was getting ready to come to work yesterday afternoon. And you know I lived there for a long time and I, and I love Mount Panorama. But it was raining. It didn't look very it, it, well, it, interesting race conditions. I like it when it rains because it brings out the, the great rally skills that the drivers have when they're, especially on when they're on slicks and it's raining. But I was looking in the crowd. There weren't. There didn't seem to me to be many people there. Is it? Is it relevant? The twelve hour. Well, it is. There's a Porsche well, one, by the way. It's got its place. Forty-seven thousand fans did attend. So forty-seven thousand. You know, okay. Yeah. Um. And and we obviously saw Aussie star Matt Campbell. You know, Blitzem, he's an absolute legend. But um, yeah, look, it's got it's got it's. I mean, I'm a I'm a massive um, I guess supercar. Do you call it, call it supercars anymore? Supercars fan. I, I miss the Holden and the the Ford days. But um, you know, I, I love I love that racing. But yeah, it's got its place. As I say, forty seven thousand people didn't mind it. Not sure what else. Okay. To... <laughs> I, I remember I was living in Bathurst for the very very first twelve hour. I think it was a James Hardy event. But it was the first Bathurst twelve hour. And it was very exciting. And, of course, they started in the middle of the night. Yeah. And, as, and I remember someone, someone helped me here. I think Alan Grice. I'm pretty sure Alan Grice won uh, in a Toyota Supra, uh, which was great for Alan Grice. But the bottom of the cars are red hot in the dark. You can see it, it was it – was, oh, it's, it's enormous. I actually you know, produced – Mark Beretta is probably on his way to work now. Um, Hello. I produced Mark Beretta at the 12-hour Bathurst um, races some years ago. It's definitely a highlight, definitely something you should go and see if you're into sport just at least once. It's brilliant. Yeah, hang on. 1991 Bathurst 12-hour. Thomas, what's it say? Yeah, it says Grice has seven podium finishes at Bathurst, two wins, 86 and 1990, and four seconds, 78, 82, 91, 95, and a third in 83. There you are, 91. First one, Alan Grice. I got it. There you go. 
I'm impressed. You should be doing this job. No way. <laughs> I was still at school, Luke. <laughs> no way. Shut up. You have a good day. By the way, here's a, here's a story for you. Bring it. A Texas woman has been banned from a gym because of her comments. You ready for this? Yeah. A woman has taken aim at another gym goer's physique and has had her membership revoked. Allie, who goes by the name of at the ripped Barbie on Instagram, <laughs> took a video of another gym goer during crunches on a workout bench while shirtless. And she said, if you're going to work out topless, at least have some muscles, she muttered. <laughs> Social media personality Joey Swall, who has become known for his videos calling out poor gym etiquette, put it put it on. Um, apparently, she they reckon that it's reverse sexism, mm. and her saying if you're going to exercise without a shirt on, why don't you try and have at least real muscles? She's been banned. Inappropriate. Yeah, well, I mean it is it is reverse sexism if you you want to look at it that way. But really, really. Up the concrete, do a few more planks, get over it. Bisho, you have yourself a good week talking Friday. Thanks to Power Pollen, Nature B, powerpollen.com.au. Love your work, mate. Talk, talk then, see ya. The Divinals here on the Night Shift, Monday morning, February 19. Good morning to you folks. Quick break. We'll be back with news headlines. Tessa Randello filling in for Tash today. Tash isn't with us this morning, but I tell you who is. Tessa Randello from Triple M News. She joins me live in the studio. Good morning to you. Good morning. Are you um, Tay-Tay excited? I'm, like, I'm excited for the idea of her being here, but I have to say, I'm not a massive fan. She's not your go. Not my vibe. She's not my go either. Cool. But I admire her. Of course. Greatly. Mm -hmm. um, And what she's done to the economy, just single-handedly, it's a phenomenon I haven't seen before. I mean, is she bigger than the Beatles in 64? Uh, When the Beatles arrived in South Australia, in Adelaide, Mm -hmm. 1964, two-thirds of the state's population turned up to watch them at the Civic Hall meeting. Wow. I know. So it's crazy. It is crazy, but I haven't seen anything quite like this. Anyway, let's get back to other news. Um, Alexei Navalny, uh, Vladimir Putin's fiercest opponent, has been silenced, and now he they're has. saying, "Where's his body?" I know that the, our prime minister has fairly and squarely put the blame of this at uh, at Vladimir Putin's feet. Yeah, um, Anthony Albanese has said that the Russian president is responsible for Navalny's Navalny's death. Sorry. Um, and he was, yeah, he was the prominent opposition figure and an anti-corruption investigator against Putin. He was found dead in prison on Friday. His spokesperson alleges that he was murdered. Across And across Russia, there's also some kind of drama with many people who have taken to the streets to protest against his death. They've been laying flowers and been doing tributes and memorials. But more than four people... 400 people have been detained right. in no, those you, events. You get arrested. This is how lucky we live in Australia. So they're laying flowers uh, at memorials mm-hmm. to remember Navalny, and you get arrested. You get yeah. taken away. It's frightening. It's very scary. It's very scary what's happening over there, and especially this day I mean, and, age. and when you look at what he's doing in the Ukraine. Of course. Mm. And you've got Donald Trump saying to NATO countries, pay your bill or encourage Russia to bomb you as well. 
Oh, the world's gone mad. Uh, what's the go with the Sydney schools and asbestos? Oh, so we've got even more schools who have tested positive to asbestos. It's um, obviously been one of those things that's been kind of rolling out for a really long time. One's going to close for a week to clean up 30 cubic metres hmm. of this mulch that they'd found has been contaminated. So well, they just dumped it there and covered well, it with mulch, hoping it would break down. I think... It's bizarre. The, the idea is that maybe, maybe the asbestos has gotten into the mulch and then they've used that mulch as is, as if they usually would at different places. So it's one of the latest across Sydney and New South Wales for this asbestos-contaminated mulch. But the total number of sites in Sydney is already 34 um, and includes quite a few schools, a hospital, all sorts of different places. And it was discovered back in January. So this has been rolling out for a really long time. Um, it was found in a playground originally in Sydney um, and subsequent investigations spotted it recycled mulch. So that's what they're calling this mulch that they keep looking into strange. and testing. So it's really strange. But I guess in good news for people going to Taylor Swift this weekend, the EPA says Olympic Park, where her show will be, and its surrounds are clear of asbestos. There we go. Um uh, Tessa Randello with a quick look at the news stories. Scotty Phillips, economist with Motley Fool, joins us now. Um, Swiftonomics is is the new is the new buzzword, eh? Luke, good morning. I'm in the wrong trade, I know, mate. I should be uh, should be studying Taylor Swift, mate. That hundreds. So, let's start with some big numbers. Her tour globally is expected to pull in 4.1 billion dollars. Mm. which is just extraordinary. Here mm. in Australia, the number started about 140. The latest I've seen is $400 million between uh, ticket sales, merchandise, travel, transport, uh, accommodation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it is just remarkable. The, no less than the US Fed have talked about this in their own minutes, saying that when she turns up in some cities, you actually see a spike in both inflation and retail sales in that city. Uh, when she's in town, it is just a phenomenon. Incredible. All right. I believe well, there's, there's talk this morning she'll be getting the two-storey uh, super penthouse at Crown Casino at uh, Barangaroo, uh, uh, probably, and why not? If you can afford it, why not? Absolutely. And the Reserve Bank, they kept interest rates on hold last week, but we actually get to read the minutes of that two-day meeting now. Yeah, we do, mate. They come out on Tuesday tomorrow. So basically what we're looking for and <laughs> They're always very, very careful, as we know, with their language, not giving anything away un, uh, accidentally. No, nothing. But, but we are looking to see what they are thinking, how the, the stories are playing out, uh, what sort of pressures they saw, what sort of things they discussed. And as you say, mate, because there's a different, it was a two-day meeting rather than a one-day meeting, we're waiting to see what those minutes may contain. As I said, I don't expect they're going to all of a sudden come out and say, so here's what we're planning. Uh, but the way they're considering some of these issues the weight they give to certain data points, that's what we'll be looking at, uh, trying to guess what happens with rates next. Scotty, Donald Trump's going to come up with 350 bill. I mean, <laughs> where's he going to get it? I have no idea. Mill. I don't know how, Mill. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how he's going to, mate. Well, this is the other thing about Trump, right? For, for Politics aside, he has uh, he has long been considered, you know, no one's really sure how much he's actually worth. It depends who you ask. Uh, a lot of debt there, a lot of assets, in fact, how much is he worth is exactly the question uh, that this court case was about because it was about whether or not he fraudulently uh, highlighted the values of some of his properties. So if you start to wind all that back, I don't know, mate. Taylor Swift could probably find the ready. I'm not sure if Donald she, Trump can. It should be good for a loan, but would she lend it to Trump? The thing I don't I get, the, the banks are going to be partly responsible for this fiasco because, yep. okay, you believe Donald Trump on the value of, of his assets and his buildings, <laughs> like like even, right. exaggerating the, even exaggerating the square meterage, the floor yeah. space in some of his apartments. Couldn't the bank send somebody over with a tape measure? 
you know, it's one of those things, mate, when they say, you know, if you, if you owe the bank $1,000, you've got a problem. If you owe $100 million, they've got a problem. Uh, so it's, it's very much that story, I think, and you're right. They didn't because they went, well, some bloke in a, you know, if you, if you go buy a house, they send the value or out. If you want to buy an office block, that goes, well, how much are you paying? Okay, that'll do. Uh, it's a very, very different way they do it. And you're right, mate. The banks absolutely should wear the cost of this. Uh, well, fr fraud is fraud, right? So part of it is just whether or not he literally did the wrong thing, and that's whether it's a criminal or a civil case. He's got to be responsible for that. But you're right. In terms of the cost of that, the bank shareholders should be asking some pretty big questions about yeah. how good the bank's processes are. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. Scotty, thank you so much. Have a great day. Have thank a great you, week. Bye-bye, Scotty Phillips, Chief Economist with The Motley Fool. Tessa, thank you very much. Folks, have a great day. New quickie tomorrow. A brand new show. Lots happening. Have a great day today, folks. Today's man died. Today's man died. Monday is motion day. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.